That was John Cena's intro on a kazoo. And this is all you can hear. Non-canon file today. A little short-staffed. And by that, I mean there's the only two of us here that watch wrestling. We are going to be reviewing. We're going to talk about TakeOver New Orleans. We're going to be talking about WrestleMania. We're going to be talking about the Raw SmackDown call-ups and whatever else from the weekend that we feel like talking about. And today, joining me, Tanner, is my co-host, Patrick. Patrick, how are you doing? I'm doing well. You ready to talk about wrestling? I am indeed. So, Patrick, have you ever listened to a wrestling podcast? Just curious. Yes, I, I've listened to, if you listen to Talk is Jericho, Art of Wrestling, Colt Cabana, uh, Edge and Christians, Pot of Awesomeness. Okay, so the, the difference between a podcast that a wrestler runs and a podcast that a wrestling fan runs is that a podcast a wrestler runs, usually about an hour. Yeah. But to be a true wrestling fan, your podcast has to go over nine hours. That's the rules. I'm uh, not surprised. <laughs> I, I can see that. What was that? Cody's here being sound guy. Thank you, Cody, for coming. Uh, for for being sound guy. And plus, I think I, I wasn't sure, but I, one of my I thought he hit a sick whip. Fifty four. What? No, nine hour podcast tonight. Oh, nine hour podcast. He was holding up five four. My mind immediately went to fifty four. I'm like, it's WrestleMania thirty four. Just blowing our awards episode out of the water. Yeah, no. The uh, this is going to be twice the length of the award episode with about half the content. So I hope y'all are ready. Uh, <laughs> So let's just get to it. Let's talk about TakeOver. Take, Unless you want to talk about the Hall of Fame uh, and how somebody had the measles there, and now everybody at the Hall of Fame got emails saying, hey, you have been exposed to measles. You might want to go get checked out. I didn't think, think measles were still a thing. Uh, yeah. it's it's, it's They showed uh, the guy that had, I, th I think it was a guy, that had the measles. Like They showed a picture. I believe it was him. It looks bad. Like, a, it's a proper case of the measles and he was at the hall of fame friday before being admitted into the hospital on saturday and they were like dog you got measles and you just exposed like fourteen thousand people to the measles <laughs> it's like i didn't think it was that bad yeah including the whole wwe locker room so i guess they're not going to saudi arabia yeah i guess they're not going to saudi arabia anymore but let's just get to it take over new orleans take over new orleans uh so, so Patrick, we didn't really talk about this. How do you want to do this? You want to go match by match? Just talk about overall thoughts? Or I think TakeOver New Orleans, maybe not for WrestleMania, but I think TakeOver New Orleans, it was short enough. We can go match by match, talk about what we liked and disliked. Yeah, we can do it by match by match. All right, so the first match on TakeOver New Orleans was the ladder match for the inaugural NXT North American Championship. Adam Cole versus EC3 versus Killian Dane versus Lars Sullivan versus Ricochet versus Velveteen Dream. First off, Patrick, ha you've seen Ricochet before, but you, you actually have like kind of a unique perspective where you've only seen Ricochet as Prince Puma, correct? That's, Mostly. Well, I, I've seen a good bit of him as Prince Puma. I've seen, uh, but I have seen a, a good many um, PWG matches. Oh, okay. And like a few, you know, YouTube matches here and there. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, I totally forgot he worked New he Japan. Worked, yeah, he was New Japan <laughs> for like too. a year and a half as Ricochet. So, it, so this this match is kind of different than a lot of your NXT Takeover openers. Well, it was still long. But it also had two debuts in it. You know, we had EC3 coming back to the WWE from TNA. We had Ricochet making his televised in-ring debut, and then you obviously had, you know, your, your you had Sullivan, you had Dane, you had Dream, and you had Cole. Who? So this match, I didn't realize while watching it, or even when watching it back, it went over thirty minutes. Which yeah, is, it, it did not feel like thirty minutes. I thought when we watched it uh, that Saturday, or it was like fifteen. It was, yeah, it was so fast paced. Yeah, it was just like like. It, it was a spot fest in the best way. Like the best spot fest to me are always ladder matches because yeah. at least they somehow make sense. Like, oh, you're gonna flip on that ladder. That looks like it hurts, but in the context of a ladder match, it makes a lot of sense. 
And I remember at the part, uh, you know, when we were watching it on Saturday, I was the only one rooting for Lars Sullivan, who is, I think, the correct large adult son to root for in this match. <laughs> I, I, I liked everybody in this match. I think everybody looked good. Yeah. I think I think Lars and Killian had their really good Haas section. I think EC3 came off like a star. I think Ricochet came off like a star. Dream always comes off like a star. I actually think Adam Cole despite winning it, maybe gained the least from the match, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I feel like he didn't have his, like, he didn't have, like, like a big spot to himself other than him doing his bay-bay after beating up EC3 for stealing his, his bit. Yeah. Or um, he had that super kick party in the middle. Yeah, I mean, the- yeah, he threw a bunch of super kicks, but he didn't have, like, I mean, like, I'm thinking about high spots in the match, and, like, Ricochet, you know, had that insane shooting star press and he had the insane moonsault to the outside and like Him, just bumping like crazy yeah he bumped like if they, like everybody bumped like crazy in that match yeah. but ricochet went like an extra level and just like yeah died. like there was one point i can't remember if it was lars or killing and threw him out of the ring and he essentially just did a tope out of the ring onto the floor i was like oh okay like that doesn't seem because like ricochet has like a reported history of like knee problems and stuff as like a, a lot of these young high flyers do yeah. just from landing on their knees so much and i'm just like wow first televised match and you're just going balls to the wall which i mean i respect obviously you know you work hard to get there so yeah you this, know. this is his first televised match yeah so he's gotta like prove to all these new people uh and all the people they're expecting them to like this is this is me i'm still doing my high fly yeah so and the the one guy well so we actually had kind of a unique perspective where we were watching it with a few people that aren't wrestling fans, uh yeah like I, you know like Brianna and she uh she was watching it and I think they automatically fell in love with Killian Dane and Velveteen Dream who are the are two weird ones I think to just see and be like I love these guys these are my new favorite wrestlers yeah like, they I are was kings. really surprised like uh, Brianna just latched mm-hmm. on to Killian Dane and she that was like that was her boy and that yeah. was her favorite to win the match and nothing against Dane it's just like you you I guess like uh he seems a bit um understated mm-hmm. uh compared to the flashiness of others but he's also very conspicuous he's a very large man he's yeah. also a very hairy man yeah that's like <laughs> Brianna was like he's Scottish right I was like how did you even know? Like, didn't talk or anything. Like, she was like, yeah, he's Scottish. <laughs> and, and, like, I, I don't even think she knew his name. She was just like, mm, yep, Scottish. It's it was like, that big and I like him. Yeah, I was like, I like the big lad. Absolute unit. But I, I'm I'm really happy with how everybody did in this match. Because going in, I was like, well, this match could work weird. Because usually ladder matches with, I mean, there's... There was one flippy guy in this match and three guys, you know, pushing 250, 300 pounds. And, like, that, that's usually a weird... And then, obviously, you had Dream and Cole, who aren't high flyers, but they're smaller guys. Yeah. And that's usually a weird dynamic for a ladder match. But I think here, it worked out very well, just because you had your big guy... I mean, you even had your big guys do, like, some crazy shit, like... Because yeah, so didn't Dane do, like, a tope into Lars? Yeah, like, like Dane did his tope and, like... uh there was a, I think Lars went through the ladder and Dane did a, the earthquake, the Tenta spot through the ladder. Because they're, they're, they're the whole match, they were kind of one up each other. Yeah. Like Lars killed like Dream and EC3 and then Dane killed uh, Ricochet and Cole. Yeah. And, and there was that spot in the match where they started just throwing Ricochet at each other. No, it was, it, yeah, yep. Yeah, or was it? Was it Cole or was it Ricochet? I think it was Ricochet because I, re- I remember they were throwing Ricochet and Ricochet was doing essentially like swantons onto the floor to just like 
writhing in pain. I mean, I, I loved it. I mean, so I mean, overall, I think the ladder match great success. I personally love the belt. I've seen the the belt design gets mixed reviews. I love the North American belt. Yeah, it's definitely a throwback to like the uh, old style belt. Yeah, it has like that, that dark red leather uh, and the, the the golden sort of like yeah gridded uh, map of the United of the North America on it. Yeah, like it's it's one of those things like the old like Mid Atlantic TV titles used to be like would take up an entire torso and then just the belt straps is just a normal belt. It's kind of like a throwback to that and knowing Triple H, how he's like the biggest territory mark on the history, you know, in the history of the planet makes sense. Yeah. So, but I, I like it. I'm interested to see what they do with it. Now that they have a North American title and a UK title, I'm like, are they going to just expand? Are they going to do like a, a Japan title or Bring something? Bring the European title? Just, or just make a whole ass European title? Who knows? So I'm interested how that goes. Um, but, but yeah, great match, great opener. Despite going like I'm not the biggest fan of long matches, but it went 31 minutes. Doesn't it feels about half that? It just breezed by. So yeah. you don't you don't notice it. Okay, next match for the NXT Women's Championship, you had uh, Shayna uh, Baszler versus Ember Moon. Patrick, what did you, what did you think about that match? I think you're you're like me. We were both huge fans of Ember Moon. Yeah. So what did what did you think of the match? I will say. Uh, I liked it better on rewatch mm-hmm. than I did the first blush round because like, first blush it kind of felt like uh, Shayna was like obviously they're building up Shayna to be the, the very dominant wrestler and I, and I was afraid that, uh, first time I thought it was like oh, it was just, this is just Shayna squashing Ember yeah but lo- looking back uh, Ember got more licks in than uh, than I realized the first time around and uh, I, I I missed the uh, the whole bit where uh, at at the end where, where she had uh, Ember and the uh, and her submission that mm-hmm. she so since Ember had dislocated her shoulder earlier, Shayna's shoulder, uh, she's 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 holding uh Shayna was holding her hair to complete the lock yeah and uh, keep the pressure on. I thought that was uh, pretty clever. There was a lot. I I agree with you. I enjoyed this a lot more on rewatch. There's like. It's weird with these people that come over from mixed martial arts into pro wrestling how they like. One thing they just get is in-ring psychology in a way, yeah. which is which is weird, and I hate even bringing up that term because it sounds like such a, like a smart fan like in-ring psychology term, but it's true. And like, because I mean, you never even have to worry about that in mixed martial arts. You're just like, oh, my shoulder hurts, I can't use my shoulder anymore. Yeah, it's it, you know you have to do that in pro wrestling, and I, I think it, it worked great. I think the spot where uh, Basler's trying to relocate her arm, where she's like shoving it into the ring, I think that's genius. Yeah. And, like, that's a legitimate way you can, like, as somebody that has seen people's shoulders pop out, like, that's a legitimate way to pop it back in. It looks stupid as all hell, if especially if you're just like, why is she doing that? Her shoulders hurt. Why is she hurting it more? But that's, like, a legitimate way people do that. Force it back in. Yeah. You know, if she, if she's having, she can't have my helper, so she's got, like, I got to put it back in. Yeah, myself. like, I got to do it myself. Um, and I think Ember looked great. And th- that was another person who got over big with the crowd we were watching was Ember Moon. Yeah. Like, <laughs> You know, like the whole the gimmick and everything, and obviously, you know, Ember went off to greener pastures. You know, debuted yeah. on Raw, which we'll talk about that later. Um, but I mean, overall, I think great uh, segment. It actually went longer than I didn't realize watching it live. It went 15 minutes. Like it felt incredibly short. Yeah, just like the that's like the whole theme for this show. Every match felt much shorter than it actually went. Yeah, that's definitely it was definitely two hours. Yeah, like it, it's insane. But um, I mean, overall, I I enjoyed the match. That's a great match. Yeah, it, it, I feel like it has to be the shortest match on the card. 
Patrick, what if I told you it wasn't? We're at uh, the Triple Threat Tag Team Championship match for the, obviously, the NXT Tag Team Championship and the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Trophy, Undisputed Era of Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly versus the Authors of Pain versus Pete Dunne and Roderick Strong. So, obviously, this match also had the weird dynamic where, like, okay, Adam Cole just got done working a match 20 minutes ago. He had the taped up ribs and he's out there replacing an injured Bobby fish. Cause Bobby exploded his knee <laughs> and it's, it's, it's weird because like they made this match for the tag team championship and the finals of a tournament. And they're like, you're going to win both. Yeah. Because, um, they, at the finals, it was, uh, Pete Dunne and Roger strong versus authors of pain. And they were, they were having the match and it was a pretty good one. And then, uh, uh, era came in and they, uh, interrupted the match and, Regal punished them. He's like, okay, you got to work both matches, Cole. Yeah. Enjoy that. Yeah, so Cole comes out there, like, limping, injured, which I thought, you know, was great, obviously. Got injured with, like, the North American Championship. Bobby Fish, I believe he was on crutches? Uh, he uh, he came in. Uh, you saw him afterwards. Yeah, oh, yeah, he was afterwards. And then, you know, Kyle's just doing goofy Kyle stuff, playing air guitar on the belt, whatever. I did think it was funny how, like, he, he starts with his uh, usual, like, Attitude, we playing the guitar, like the belt of guitar, Danny. Like he stopped, just like, oh, Bobby's not here, I, and like Adam was hurt. I gotta, I gotta get with it. Yeah, it, it's so weird too because like Kyle was always one of those guys that like uh, on the indies, I was like, oh, you know, he worked the serious, like I'm a, you know, very serious striker, very serious striker, and it's kind of funny to see as he's transitioned to a TV wrestler. How he's like kind of, I, I don't want to say steal because obviously Tanahashi didn't create the air guitar gimmick or, you know, Hogan didn't either. But like he's kind of got this like, oh, I want to be more, you know, have louder facial expressions and be more expressive with my hands and do that. I think that's especially, I mean, Kyle's not like old by any means, but for somebody that was on the, you know, the independent circuit for that long and to be able to just adapt your style kind of seamlessly, like he's still the serious striker, but also he still does like kind of the goofy sale, uh, the cells. Yeah. He is sort of like, even, even though it doesn't diminish his like capability or his threat, he's kind of like the comic relief to the group. He always has like, He's very animated in his expressions. He has like if he's if there's gonna have to be a, a funny spot in a match, he's gonna do it. Like in war games, he he went to hit one of the authors of pain. He missed, and the chair bounced it back, hit him in the face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and like in this match, one of the authors of pain German suplexed him, and he like it looks like he no sold the Germix. He's like ah, and then he just collapsed out of the ring. Like I think that's he that's goes great. to Hulk up and he just like immediately falls down. Yeah, one thing that. Like, I'm only 22. Like, it makes me feel old in this match. There's three people in this match within two years of my age. Yeah. Because both Authors of Pain are, like, 23, 24. Yeah, they're Pete Dunne is 23. And then, obviously, and then, like... Cole's the oldest person in the match. Or may- I think it might be Roddy. Yeah, Off like, the top of my head, it may be Roddy. Well, yeah, I was going to say that, because, like, I think... I think Kyle is one year younger than me. I think... Oh, he, he is. He is 26, or he'll be 27. And, uh... Cole is 28. Yeah, I think Roddy's in his... Uh, Roddy has to be in his 30s. He's been wrestling for f- fucking 18 years. Yeah. So... Yeah, we, we didn't <laughs> mention that Velveteen Dream is 22. Yeah, Velveteen Dream is literally like six months older than me, which is absurd. Or the, Tyler Bates younger than I am. He's 20. Yeah. He can't even drink and he's having like five-star matches. Yeah, and don't even bring up... I mean, we'll talk about Nicholas later, but Nicholas is only 10. <laughs> Um, but, I mean, this match, it went. this is the shortest match on the card. It went 11 minutes. Obviously, the big story of the match, I thought the the match, first off, I thought the match was fine. Yeah. But then, 
the whole match was building to the Roddy turn yeah. on Dunn to join Undisputed Era. How how did that go over with you? Like, do you enjoy that, or are you like, uh, that's kind of weird? I was really surprised, like, because they had uh, he had his his uh, his go rounds with Era earlier in the year or into last year, and you know he they offered him a, a place and he turned them down. And then he like, then he's surprised. I'm joining anyway. But but I don't know if that's like something they were always planning towards, or this is sort of a way to compensate for Bobby being injured. Mm-hmm. They had they had more in plan for Era and the tag team stuff, and it's like it's kind of hard to do that when you only when you know only have two people. So like, yeah, bring Roddy in because he has like he has a history with them. And if, out of everybody, it made most sense because you have like somebody out of the blues to start doing like who's this person? Yeah, like it, it's weird too because I feel like Roderick Strong had already kind of done everything you can do like he's challenged for the nxt title multiple times has lost multiple times uh obviously he was challenging for the tag belts you know didn't well i mean he won those technically but his team that he came in with didn't win those um so and now they're doing like this weird freebird style rule i think if it wasn't rod roderick because i assumed they were going to add somebody to the group with bobby being injured for eight ten months because that's a big chunk of tv time especially in developmental I figured if they if it wasn't going to be Roderick Strong, I figured it was going to be Cassius Ono, just because like I feel like they like having that group be like, wow, we're the Ring of Honor guys, we're the Undisputed Era. So I feel like I mean Dishonored. That yeah. was that was the name that was going around. Yeah. before they came out with un- yeah. Undisputed. Yeah, I remember Dishonored was going around, and then it's one of those things like Hero was really the only other guy to make sense, um, especially just because like I I feel with Hero or Ono, uh, it. It feels like to me he's kind of not settled because obviously the dude worked his ass off for 20 years. But like he has no, he doesn't care if he goes up to the main roster. I think he likes helping the younger guys down in developmental. I think he likes having a coaching role. And the fact that he still gets to wrestle makes a very good living and, you know, has health insurance (laughs) is probably a big plus. And, you know, he lives in Orlando uh, now, just like all of those guys do. So I, I think. I think that would have been a good fit for him as him becoming like the new leader of Undisputed Era. But I, I like the I think the Roddy move was a smart move. It made sense in the context of the match. I'm interested to see where they go now because now you're now you have another three man group, and really the only other three man group in NXT right now is Sanity. Well, I was going to say um, I, I don't know how much of Access you heard with Access being the uh, like the the live shows at, mm-hmm. at WrestleMania, but the, um, apparently because I during Access they had a uh, Invitational matches for each of the championships. Yeah, and they had all these big matches and tournaments leading up to them. And the final of the tag team was uh, Mustache Mountain versus Undisputed Era. And after the match over, Undisputed Era tat you know Mustache Mountain being Trent Seven and Tower Bait. And then at the end, Pete Dunne rushes the ring and saves them. So British Strong Style and yeah, WWE. I, that, yeah, I guess we're gonna get British Strong Style because it's so weird because they've always kept Dunn away like they've always pushed Mustache Mountain but you know at the same time Bate and Dunn have been seen as like these rivals yeah so it, it's going to be interested or interesting to see how they pull off that dynamic in the mat or in the ring I mean I'm sure they'll be able to do a phenomenal job of it I I, I feel like with WWE programming the regular NXT viewer probably has more indie i say in air quotes indie experience than like a regular raw or regular smackdown viewer so i think if you do pull something like that off it can happen on nxt tv and yeah i i mean but i mean you got to think now that's a lot of belts because you got the uk champion the north american champion and the tag titles so like there should be some shelf like i wonder if they're gonna do like some weird thing where they uh 
like unify the UK and North American and just make like a television title. Cause at some point you're going to make, you're going to have too many belts. Yeah. Uh, even with like such a large roster, you're going to have too many belts. I'm interested to see how they pull that off, but no, it, I mean, uh, closing thoughts on the tag title match. It was, it was good. I get I enjoyed it. Yeah. But I think, I mean, probably the weakest match on the card. And, and, and but still, that's a, still a good match. Yeah. I mean, weakest match on a takeover nine times out of 10 is still really good. So, you know, take that next match. NXT Championship, Aleister Black versus Andrade, Cien, Almas, obviously with Selena Vega. Patrick, I know you're a big Aleister guy. I'm a big Almas guy. What 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 did you think of this match as it became obvious that Aleister was winning? Like, I, to be honest, like as much as I love Aleister, like there's always moments in in like these big championship matches where like even where you're, you're rooting for your person, but there's like. Part of me is like, I still don't know if they're gonna win. They're still gonna pull that trigger and like make it a thing. Yeah. And then like he wins, and then you're just like, holy crap! Because like I will say, like our party that watched it, we did a collective flip when Alistair won. Yeah. And uh, and 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 the thing the thing is, as as amazing as this match was with all the big spots and all the big, all the close calls, like it like from what people I've seen online, people are kind of like glossing over it because this is just how stacked yeah this card was but as a match it was great because like andrade is like just he's like top of his game he's, he's doing crazy things like he's like when he uh he moonsaulted off the ring post and then when allison moved he back flipped again and then landed on him it, it's like it's crazy and plus i did think it was it's very fitting that this match happened because Alistair debuted on the TakeOver fighting Andrade, and now yeah. here he is. In the at camp. WrestleMania weekend at yeah. NXT Orlando last year. And so now a year later, they, you know, semi-main for the for the belt. And I, I think that's a really cool, like, year-long arc they've told with Alistair. Because Alistair comes off on TV as, like, this unbeatable force. Like, obviously, he had, you know, all those... St- like, Alistair's whole shtick is that he kicks hard. Yeah. So, like... In wrestling, like in other terms, you're like, you can't really build a character off somebody that kicks hard. In wrestling, you can build a hell of a character whose main trait is kicks hard. And like and the whole idea, like he's just very mercurial, cerebral, like like a guy who's like, you know, has all this like dark imagery and like symbolism about him. But like he's more or less a face. I don't, I still don't know like yeah. how, how often they do tweeners, quote unquote, anymore. Yeah. But you like... You know, dark is not evil in, in, in Alistair's case, and uh, and uh, Andrade and uh, uh, Selena Vega—they're just, they're just packaged now. And and uh, it's funny how they were hoisted by their own petard in this one. How like Selena kept, you know, doing her thing where she her Conrada's interferes, but uh, it, it backfired against them, and that's yeah. what uh, caused Alistair to win. And it's it's really interesting going back to like the whole tweener thing. Is like Alistair Black is like. It's so weird. Like I remember years ago, they were like, "Oh, we're we're, we're going to kill off babyface and heel," which obviously they haven't done. They're still they still have pure babyfaces. They still have pure heels. But there's definitely a lot more tweener like characters now than there was years ago. And it's it's one of those things that's funny is that Aleister Black is like a Satanist. Yeah, like and not it, not a bit. He's a legit yeah, Satanist, yeah. but he's like one of the nicest people. You'll yeah, ever like meet. An incredible guy and good. So it's just interesting, you know, for a product that's pushed for kids he's like oh, i'm a satanist but also you're going to cheer for me so who cares <laughs> and it's like uh, you know covered in tattoos not your stereotypical you know 
vitamin taking John Cena Superman baby face. Like just, he, it, it, you say your prayers, it just they go down instead of yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those things. It's a it's an interesting dynamic. I love it. Um, and it's so funny just to see like how his career has progressed in the last like eight years alone because he he I mean used to be just a skinny Dutch kid with like no with no you know anything no tattoos like I'm there's a match online between him and Daniel Bryan uh from a WXW in an ambition tournament which is like a shoot style sort of thing like it focuses a lot more on grappling yeah and like Bryan just tears them up and now like if you looked at the two side by side you'd be like that guy would kick Daniel Bryan's ass like that was something to mention because like there you know there there was a period not so long ago where uh in his independent career he was he would take more losses than wins yeah no, the, yeah, like, th- that's a, such a cool thing about, like, this crop of independent talent coming up, especially those that are getting close to the top. They're not afraid to take losses, which may circle back to a more important point of do wins and losses really matter in professional wrestling? We don't have that much time on our hands today, but it's it's definitely one of those, you know, conversations to be had. Yeah, like, the, like the loss, like, um, like maybe uh, uh, segue into the next match when – Jari Gangaro had like his uh his losing streak. It kind of it played into the story. You know, yeah. Just like oh, you're just gonna you know job for this person this week. Yeah. But uh, I will say I love Alistair. Finally, there's a big Al that I can root for. <laughs> that's great. That's great. That's that's a local reference. That's a, that's a local Al- University of Alabama joke for for all of you. Alistair Black is now the new uh, mascot of the Crimson Tide. Instead of a big elephant, we have a big Satanist. Yeah. <laughs> Which fits in well with Alabama when you really think no, just, um So last match, main event of the card, unsanctioned match, Johnny Gargano versus Tommaso Ciampa. If Gargano loses, he's gone from NXT still. If he won, he obviously got reinstated. This match went almost 40 minutes, and it feels about 11. It flies by. Like <laughs> Literally, my first thought was after this match was over, it's like, this match ruined my life. Yeah, <laughs> because it's it, it the story they tell, the bumps they take, everything about this match was staggering. It's so crazy. Cause I remember after watching uh, Gorgano almost, I'm like, I, I've seen a lot of wrestling in my day, like thousands upon thousands of matches. I was like, almost Gargano is the best match I've ever seen. I watched Champa Gargano. I was like, well, maybe not, because uh, holy like Gargano having. Two of the best babyface performances, in my opinion, of all time, back-to-back major shows is just like, how do you even manage? Especially with, with the gimmick attached, with the with the length, because, you know, a, a lot of times, a lot of people think, like, a hate-filled brawl shouldn't go, like, if you were fighting your worst enemy, it wouldn't go 40 minutes. Yeah. It would end one way or another in about two or three. Um and it's it's one of those things like they dragged this out for forty minutes. Like the spots they built to were just phenomenal. I I do love how like literally probably one of the best matches in NXT history takes place. And the screen cap you see a lot of people capturing is Johnny when Johnny Gargano had uh, Champa on the announce table and like Champa had the huge ass wet, like, and literally his whole ass, his and, entire ass is just <laughs> there for everybody to yeah. see. It's like huh, well <laughs> you know gotta respect it I guess, but. I mean, this match, like, if, if you haven't watched it, I so, so highly recommend you go and watch this. Because, I mean, it's true. It's, to me, a pinnacle in storytelling and storytelling and wrestling, especially in 2018, where we don't necessarily get that so much anymore. Like, this is about as good as it can get. 
Like just just the build for this match has been amazing. How you have you know Johnny and uh, Champa they were sort of just put together on a whim and they built the story that you know of their friendship building of like coming through the tag team you know winning the championships, getting and, signed together, getting signed and then the, having having their, their this big career together and then uh, the big failure and then uh, you know Champa turning on Johnny like like that takeover when that happened I literally screamed. Yeah, oh no, I I did too. I for sure screamed and it's one of those things and like. You never wish for somebody to get injured, but for Champa to literally do that and be injured, it's like one of those things where like neither of them can survive without each other, but they both have to sort of situation. So yeah. obviously they wrote Gargano off for a few months. Champa was out for ten months. Ten months, yeah, ten eleven months, because that was the takeover Chicago was in May and they wrestled in April. So yeah, literally you know ten and a half eleven months, and it's one of those things where it's like. That could not have you couldn't have wrote it that perfect. Yeah, because like they they adapted to uh, Champa's injury perfectly. Mm-hmm. His injured knee literally played into the finish with the knee brace. Yeah, and uh, like it, it gave Tony, it, it gave a, a logical reason for Johnny to like. Uh, well, my partner's gone now. I don't have a tag team. Is I got to be my own man again. Yeah, and he he has this you know single career that he builds back up in the NXT, and then he has like his his uh his uh fall from grace where he had such this, this this setback after setback and then when he's finally poised to take the take the stage again and then reaches pinnacle Ciampa comes back yeah and just pulls the rug out from under him and yeah just like god i mean i would even recommend that Garga- gargano Ciampa's whole these past 10 and a half like starting with the aop ladder match at takeover chicago and following gargano's career uh, from the, then until Ciampa comes back and then watching this match, I would suggest that to non-wrestling fans just because, like, that's how you write. That is how a story is written. That is how a story is told. Like, the way they've used social media has been genius because uh, Gar- Gargano and Ciampa live together. They they, they, uh, they, they they shared a hotel. I mean, not hotel. They shared an apartment together. Yeah. And then um, they, they had, like, all these, you know, just, like, fun, bromancy mm-hmm. moments mm-hmm. or just hanging out, being buds. And then, uh, then, then, then after after the uh, the turn, Champa just uh, takes every opportunity he can to just twist that knife into Johnny's yeah. back even more. On yeah, media. like they legitimately moved out. Like Champa legit moved out. Like they, there was a commitment here, and like it, it's one of those things. Like going back to Gargano's single career after Champa was injured, and after he just had it in the mind, like oh, my best friend turned on me. Yeah, um, because I couldn't get it done. And like Zelina, I think played a great part, and so did Andrade. Played a great part where she would throw in a DIY shirt to Gargano, and he would just look at the DIY shirt, and like you just see this emotion sweep over his face. Yeah, he's just like, oh my god, I can't do it. And then obviously, you know, Andrade beat him, and beat him again, and beat him again. Um, un- until where he was forced to put his NXT career on the line, he lost that, and then well, he lost it, he lost it due to Champa coming. Yeah, back he lost it again due to, due to Champa, and again with the crutch being such a a moment of uh, with like when Champa came back at NXT San Antonio, th- that that was the main thing the the crutch, and that's what Champa kept attacking Gargano with on TV was the crutch. Because it it's really goes into like this, you know, moment of symbolism where that crutch, you could say, represents Johnny Gargano. That Champa is using Gargano to attack him. Champa still needs Gargano to stand. I mean, it, 
the great thing about pro wrestling is that you could just convince yourself about a hundred thousand things, and most of the time you're like, oh yeah, it makes sense. And this is one of those times where like also forming your own narrative around it yeah. truly increases its value to that next level. And I mean, I I just think this match is a total masterclass. Like I, personally, I want like a DVD collection just like from. Johnny and Champa's like introduction to NXT all the way mm-hmm. up to this match. Yeah, because they, they just tell a wonderful story, and like I love both these two as wrestlers, and just like this, you know, the real chemistry they have, the real life friendships they have, the real life, you know, antagonism they had, just all flow into this match. Yeah, and and just to say, like Champa's might be one of the few heel wrestlers in WWE that actually gets legitimately booed. Yeah, because he come he came out two weeks straight. To cut a promo, and then he couldn't say a word because the boos were so deafening. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things where he's like, I don't really care what you think about me because I'm here for me, obviously. Like, I turned to my best friend. I'd, I'd never even cared about you people. And also, I think it had to be un- unintentional. You know, Gargano's little symbol is like the, the, the little- closed eye and the open eye. Champa's eye, one of his eyes gets black and swollen during the match, and literally there's a screen grab in the match where like one eye black and swollen closed, the other one wide open, and his mouth is just expressionless, and it looks just like Gargano's symbol. Yeah, and it's just like, you, how? Like, how do you even think of this shit? And it's like the closing stretch uh, has you know the same movements as the their CWC match two years ago. Yeah, because like all these like in the mirrored moments from like from the uh, the the tenant, like whenever uh, Champa turned on him, like you know had the moment where you know kind of lifting like lifting lifting one up and then then you know when they, they kind of when they meet in the middle uh, and in the center of the ring like they did in a uh, cruiserweight and then Johnny he, he has like this broken down crust. He's ready to beat down Champa. And then he's like, he takes a moment. It's like, if I do this, there's no going back for mm-hmm. either of us. Yeah, Gargano literally, at, toward the finishing stretch of the match, Gargano literally sat down and like a, I am willing to forgive you. And it's just like, fuck. <laughs> and he, and he, that's when you see the close-up of like, Champa's battered face, like mm-hmm. his swollen eyes, like looking back up at, at Gargano. And it's just like, oh my God. How, like, I, I just want to hook this match to my veins. Yeah, like, I'm literally talking about it right now, and this d- literally does not happen with me. I, I'm getting chills. Yeah, and, like, just to say nothing of that God-tier video package. And, oh, yeah. And, like, just, like, this emotional summation of everything mm-hmm. that's happened up to this point. Yeah, no, I mean, just, God, please do yourself a favor and go watch. Even if you're not even a big wrestling person, which, first off, why are you listening to this? But, like... You gotta go. We hope this. <laughs> we hope this turns to tide. We well, yeah. We this needs to be. This is essential viewing. The absolute essential. As a viewing. person, as a human being. Yes. Like <laughs> you need to watch this match. Absolutely. So Patrick, I, I want to get your take. NXT Takeover New Orleans. Was it the best takeover they've done yet? This ha- this has to be the best takeover they've done yet because it's like I don't know the, how they keep topping themselves, but it's just shows the level of talent. That's working there, and the people uh, behind the scenes, front of the scenes, just everybody's working together to just make an amazing show. It It's truly incredible, the stretch that NXT has been on, takeover-wise, for the last four years. It's like, I mean, they like you said, they keep one-upping themselves. They lose a, uh, you know, they lose a Sami Zayn, they lose a Kevin Owens, they replace them. They lose a Finn Balor, a Sasha Banks, a Bailey. They replace them. Like it's such an incredible system that they have down there right now, where they're just like 
they lose these star players, but then they just replace them with more star players. They, they make new stars. Yeah, they. I mean, like Velveteen Dream coming in. Like he he wasn't an indie star. Like he he was on fucking tough enough. And then they and then like they turned him into uh, a kick ass prince. Yeah, yeah, like the the uh, prince tribute gimmick, and it's literally one of the most over gimmicks you know in the company right now. The, uh, I, I did want to say I really love that spot. We did the the Death Valley Driver on on that ladder bridge. Oh yeah. He pussy kept like step missing his step. It's like somebody's gonna die. Yeah, so yeah, somebody's about to somebody's about to get it. But I, I would honest, I never thought a takeover for me would one up the takeover that the December eleventh, twenty fourteen takeover. I think it was Redemption. I can't remember where it was. Sami Zayn, Neville, where Sami Zayn finally beats Neville for the NXT title, and then Kevin Owens is like helping Sami Zayn to the back, and then obviously Kevin Owens turns on Sami Zayn. Never thought a takeover would one up. That one, yeah. This takeover went up. That one for me. In in terms of the level of matches, just just uh, to say, to not disparage anything that happened in Redemption, but just it's it's just it's just to another level. Just, yeah. In terms of like uh, skill on display and like the emotion involved, it's it's unparalleled at the moment for yeah. me. Yeah. No. So I mean, takeover. Go watch it. I mean. No, nothing else to be said. If you're listening to this, I assume you've watched Takeover, which good on you, because it's it's truly uh, an incredible, probably one of the best shows WWE will put on this year. Maybe one of the best shows any wrestling company will put on this year, just from an emotional and storytelling standpoint. So, Patrick, speaking of emotional, <clears throat> the seven hour and ten minute spectacle that was WrestleMania. <laughs> uh, we are going to do a minute by minute breakdown <laughs> of WrestleMania 34. We're going to actually have a, a live commentary feed of WrestleMania starting mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because oh yeah because you definitely experienced a gamut of emotions from top to bottom everything mm-hmm. in between everything in between it was like i was telling colt um about it on tuesday i was because he was like how much wrestling did you watch this weekend i was like um well, wrestlemania alone was seven hours and he was like what he was like you're kidding right i was like no it was seven fucking hours that was it, one show that was yeah seven. one show and he was like how and uh, let me tell you <laughs> we're gonna um, go down yeah <laughs> it's, it, it's insane obviously the the first match the andre the giant memorial battle royal whatever i feel like not much needs to be said about that it was probably one of the most boring battle royals i've ever seen in my life i feel like battle royals like the andre's battle royals had had like more story spots mm-hmm. and what this one we had um they had uh our truth coming back and then getting betrayed again by yeah. Goldust. And then uh, Ty Dillinger and Matt Hardy doing their uh, delete ten, delete ten thing. Yeah. And then uh, Bray coming in uh, and helping. Good, him. good Bray. Yeah. Coming in to say, help save uh, Matt and help him win. Yeah. I mean, it went way too long. It went like sixteen minutes. Skip it, please, to save yourself. Like Matt Hardy winning is kind of a cool like lifetime achievement award just for Matt, who's been wrestling since probably before I was born. Yeah, the- He's, um, what, well, I mean, he's been doing bad. I mean, him and Jeff, you know, started Omega in like 90, 90. They're, they were like preteens when they started. Yeah, wrestling. I mean, they were literally like 12 and 13 when they started. Re- I mean, the first time Jeff Hardy was on WWF television, I think he was 16. I feel like even then he lied about his age. No, no, they for sure did. Like it's kind of like the Bucks. I think the Bucks worked a squash match on WWE television years ago, and one of them had to lie about their age. Nick had to lie about his age. He was like, "Yeah, I'm 18." Yeah, and which you would think for a multi-billion-dollar company, they would like fact check that. 
But no, I guess just, if it gives you just bringing in somebody to get like stepped on, it's like yeah, they'll bring in like somebody off the street. Yeah, uh, I, I will say we were we were like our our party that watched it. We were so relieved when Ziggler finally got eliminated because he kept skinning the cat like oh like, yeah a million times. Yeah, like, you're not Shawn Michaels. You tried for ten years. Please yeah. stop. I, 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 yeah, I was scared. God, I don't even want to talk about Ziggler, but God, what a what a a fall from grace just to like you know he had these great matches years ago. And then, like, fell off. And then, you know, the Miz program he had on SmackDown in 2016 was phenomenal. And then he just falls down again. And, like, it's, it, I don't think anybody's ever had such a high, high in their career and such a low, low in their career. As just Dolph like Ziggler. constant peaks and valleys. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. But uh, so, moving on from that match Cedric Alexander versus Mustafa Ali for the vacant WWE Cruiserweight title. Pat, I know you love both of these pure boys, as do I. Yes, they're very pure. Both of them are. How did How did you feel about uh, Alexander Ali? Um, I thought I thought it was a good match. I, I it just bummed me to hell out that they were giving it just a short change moment, and then like they, the match is good for what for what they're able to give in the time slot. Very emotional, especially right toward the end, because uh, they, 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 obviously they're both friends in real life, and and then the story they're telling. And then the for uh, Ollie goes for his finisher and Cedric overpowers and beats him. And, and when he, when Cedric pins Ollie, he just kind of cradles his like his lifeless head. And yeah, like, and just buries his face in the chest. Like yeah. I won, but I'm so sorry I had to do this to you. I thought I like I, I thought it was great. It's emotional, and um, but I just wish they treated them better. Yeah, it, it's one of those things where I I like Ollie Alexander getting the rub of. Okay, you guys were really the first. They were the first main event after he who must not be named got uh got fired, um and absolutely fucking killed it. So I think it's it's really cool for them to get their WrestleMania moment. Luckily, there was a lot of people in the Superdome by the time their match went on because it went on about forty five minutes before the pre show. So there was a large large crowd in there already. Yeah, I I also personally ju- just for the sake of even if they were the opener, I just for the sake of saying we were on the main WrestleMania card, I think would have been a good selling point for 205 Live, especially. I'm glad Alexander won, especially because I think Alexander was supposed to win probably at the Royal Rumble, and then obviously didn't because they vacated the title. Yeah, like he's like it. It seems pretty obvious that he's had this push and upper trajectory for a long time now. Yeah. And even though I feel like Mustafa really like pulled over like a lot of fans in terms of, like his own self-produced promotionals and just mm-hmm. his own sort of in ring storytelling and just like his own story. I feel like, you know, Cedric, he's had all this waiting for him anyway. Yeah. And Mustafa's time will come. Yeah. It's just, I'm, I'm pissed. I'm still pissed that they ran a goddamn ad in the middle of in the, middle the match. Of the- it completely com- killed the flow of the match. Yeah. It, it's, it's so weird too, because like you, you feel like a bad person for like rooting for one person in the match over another, just because like coming in, they're both like, you know, the, you know, from rags to riches stories for both of them. They both have three year old children, like it, a lot of parallels with their stories. And so like, it's interesting that because WWE really doesn't run very good guy versus very good guy matches often, especially for for the stakes like that. Yeah, and especially for two wrestlers, I get such positive reactions like Ali Alexander. I mean, obviously they probably looked at Roman Reigns versus John Cena as like good guy versus go guy, good guy. Roman Reigns doesn't get the you know good guy reactions. It's just fact of the matter. But you know, Alexander Ali gets the good guy reaction. So it's interesting that like. 
even like if they did a punch exchange, it'd be like, yay, yay, yay. So the yeah, boo, yeah, boo. It's like the yeah, yeah, yeah. Just keep yeah. And uh, I mean, I think it came across great. I, I, I wish they would have got a few more minutes, but at the same time, I think they did great with what they did have. I think 205 Live is going to benefit now with there actually being a champion because now it gives you a chance to actually build some characters outside of you know Drew Gulak, who I think has the best gimmick in wrestling right now. Yeah. Um, on top of being a phenomenal wrestler, so I'm interested. I'm really happy to see Alexander win. I I I agree with you. I think Ali will get his time. Obviously, just like I think. I mean, I I think th- those guys are like the unsung heroes because they're like, you know, they got, I mean, 205 Live got shit on for a year. Yeah. Uh, And then especially when, you know, they put him on top, it's like, oh, like, so he's not even taking this seriously now. And now it's like, hey, we can be taken serious. Yeah. That's, that's the one thing. Like if you're a wrestling fan and you watch WWE, I would just encourage you to watch 205 Live because they are. It has improved so much in the last two and a half months. It's unreal. It's been the, I would say the story of the year is the turnaround 205 Live did literally immediately after they got rid of Enzo. Because I've watched since its inception and I've seen you know the 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 middling beginning you know the trouble they had they, they and just fighting the crowd every week and you know dealing with the dark ages with you know you know who yeah and then uh, their 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 big you know claim to fame now with it with their soft reboot and. The cruiserweights, they're a great bunch of guys. Champions are turning chicken shit into chicken salad. Yeah. They work their ass off every single week. And, I, you know, they're great guys. And I really think they deserve all the eyeballs they can get. I, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I th- all those 205 guys are just like, even like, not even talking from a wrestling standpoint, just like people that I know that know some of them are just like, they're, they're great guys. Like the interactions I've had with a few of them, I mean, they're phenomenal people. I wish them nothing but success. And I hope this is the start of their success. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving on to the Wikipedia has it listed as 20 women, but I didn't realize there was 20 exactly 20 woman battle Royal for the WrestleMania women's battle Royal trophy. Uh, if I were to given you five guesses, would you have guessed that Naomi was going to win this match? I would not. I would not have. I thought this match was for sure. Sasha or Bailey's. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm definitely not complaining. Naomi. I'm not either. I'm not either. It's just, it's. You had they had like this whole story with you know Sasha and Bailey they told up to this point and they had they had their little back and forth at different points in the match and you think Bailey wins and then like surprise yeah. there's Naomi Naomi comes in it, like in this match there was already a little controversy around this match obviously at first being named after Fabulous Moolah who has a fucking mile long list of allegations listed against her deceased now you know she's dead now but you know like all these rumors and stories about all this stuff so they changed it last minute to just the women's battle royal and the trophy i swear to god looks like a uterus i i, I promise you uh, this is what my friend brought up but i echo his sentiment that the reason why the trophy looks not like not a lie looks like a uterus because this is like vince mcmahon's like petty revenge for being thwarted for calling it the fabulous moolah it's very it's very the thing is even if that's true it wouldn't even surprise me just because of all the insane like old man shit vince has done since like his 40s (laughs) so like it literally would not surprise me but i mean it it's uncanny and the fact that they changed it because of snickers is still to me like oh it wasn't because of fan backlashes because snickers was like we don't want our name associated with somebody accused of all those things so you're gonna have to change it 
which I, I don't know. Thank you, Snickers. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, the, but the fans, I tell what the fan people's telling Snickers about it. Oh no, that but, I think that's for sure what bought it to Snickers' attention. Yes. Yeah. Like it's like if you want something to change, hit him, hit him in the pocketbook. Yeah, yeah. Just anytime you want any wrestling thing changed, tweet to Snickers. Yeah, on on Twitter. Yeah. But it, it's one of those things. I thought Bailey had it. It was weird. I was watching it live and like Bailey eliminates Sasha. I'm like, why aren't they ringing the bell? And they're like, oh my god, <laughs> it's Naomi. And it's like. It, like I thought she'd just already been eliminated. Yeah, and I was I, like, I, I, so there are people who got eliminated that I didn't see go out. Yeah, like just Ky- like Kyrie Sane. Like we, yeah, we didn't even mention there were six NXT, uh, you know, woman wrestlers in this match, and they all did a great job. I think. Yeah, they they had real moments. They're all like chanting near. Yeah, like, NXT, NXT. Yeah, which was really cool. Um, and yeah, it was a battle role. It, it, God, a thousand million years better than the Andre. Uh, for sure, uh, I kind of hope. On one hand, I would rather see women get singles match or at least match opportunities, but I also realize that there's just so many people on the roster now that's not plausible. I hope they continue to get to get more singles, like like get, outside yeah. of the championship, but have like special single matches. Yeah, to have special singles matches, but I also hope they continue the battle royal just so everybody can get on the mania card. Like if they don't have a, a singles match, because I think. And we'll get to it at the end, but I think next year is really going to be a turn. The next 12 months is going to be a weird turning point for women's wrestling in WWE, but we'll talk about that in a second. I, one thing, I, I, you know, one last thing on the Battle Royals, I, what I would wish they would implement with the uh, with the Royal winners is like, have them some, get them some kind of title shot. Because yeah. at this point, it's kind of just like, hey, this is the thing you win. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's the that's the thing that I've complained about the Andre forever. Like, look at the people that have won the Andre. Cesaro won the Andre. Nothing really happened for you. I mean, obviously he became you know tag champs, but that was years later with another freaking person. Big Show win. I get why Big Show wins it, lifetime achievement award. I get that. Uh, Baron Corbin debuts. Nothing happens with him when he like he debuted and won the Andre. It, nothing happens. Mojo won it last year by last eliminating gender gender becomes world champion nothing happens with mojo and and this year matt hardy wins it who i i assume is hillman bray are probably going to win the tag titles in saudi arabia if i had to guess so plus like matt's already achieved so much in his life this yeah this is just another accolade yeah for sure it would be like jericho winning the rumble it's just like to have it on the list um but yeah I, i wish they would tie and plus that would give a nice feed into like the next pay-per-views um, stories. It's like, obviously, don't make the Andre for like a world title shot. That'd be ridiculous. Like, but at like, least a mid-card. Like, help elevate people who maybe hadn't got a spotlight before. Yeah. And sort of like, and just sort of instigate a, like a, you know, a, like a fresh rotation of people. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, you can have somebody come up and get a mid-card shot like like Ty or Breeze or yeah. Fandango or any one of them. Yeah. Like, and, and it's not out of place. This, that's what I loved about the John Cena United States Challenge so much is like you had guys that never challenged for the, like the U.S. belt challenging for the U.S. belt. Hello. We're back. Sorry for that. Just a the weird little technical hiccup. You wouldn't even understand it if I told you because I don't even understand it and I was told it. Uh, so let's just move on. WrestleMania main card. First match. Triple threat for the WWE Intercontinental Championship. Seth Rollins versus The Miz versus Finn Balor. First, I want to say all three of them had great entrances. Yes. You had Seth Rollins coming out as the, I don't know, Game of Thrones uh, terminology. He, he had, had like his usual like fire with his burn it down. Then yeah. he came out as um, 
Game of Thrones inspired, like White Walker had like snow yeah. and I like, had like blue contacts in, like mm-hmm. you know, like the White Walkers, like those snow zombies. Yeah, the Miz comes out looking like Hollywood Hokage is what I saw it called a lot on uh, Twitter, where it was like he was literally his headband he was wearing looked like you know some fucking Leaf Village shit, and I was like, this is so my aesthetic. Like Miz is obviously already one of my favorite superstars, but he's aiming for that number one spot. And then Finn Balor comes out at first. I'm like, oh, this is kind of a weird entrance. And then he's surrounded by he had to he had this like a black his like his usual outfit is just color mm-hmm. black. He's like, oh wow, this is kind of drab. Then camera pulls out, and you see all these people crowd in wearing mm-hmm. his. Uh, LGBTQ uh, t-shirt. Yeah. Finn Bauer clubs for everybody. Mm-hmm. And then they're actually people in Florida and they're like uh, lots of uh, Louisiana. <laughs> Louisiana. Louisiana. LGBTQ people. Yeah. And they're all like cheering him. And uh, what was cool, I didn't notice it the first time, but every time he did his little arms up moment, mm-hmm. the uh, the Bauer logo had changed from black to uh, white letters on black background to uh, rainbow letters on white background. Oh, I didn't even realize that. Uh-uh. That's yeah. cool. But I mean, like, I love that. It's like s- sending a message like that on such a large platform, especially in wrestling, which for some reason uh, a lot of people are is like it's a very white, straight man dominated sport. Which is funny when you think about it, because the whole basis of wrestling is two dudes in their underwear touching each other a lot. It's like so it's there's, like there's a lot of homoeroticism. Yeah, like, you can't have. You know, yeah, it's like we can't have gay people in our wrestling. But I'm like, do you, do you not see the irony there? No. Okay. Um. But no, uh, the match itself, probably one of the stronger matches on the whole fucking card. Yeah, to me, uh, the Intercontinental match is my second favorite match. Yeah, I mean, it I mean, it was great. Tons of near falls. Got the crowd just as hot as, you know, as you needed. Went 15 minutes, which I think is a great length for a WrestleMania opener. Seth Rollins, though, talking about Rollins for a second, has been on fire this yeah. year. Like, he may be the best wrestler in the world in 2018, which is something I never thought I would say. Because I've never really been whole that big on like I've always liked Rollins I've always respected Rollins but this year he has just turned it up on another whole level because like even like like I think on the go home raw like he and Bauer had like a really good match yeah and then like he went over an hour in the gauntlet match yeah uh, before I elimination I forgot about that yeah like that happened like he wrestled for like 65 minutes on a three-hour program in a row that's absurd and not to mention Re- who he wrestled Cena and who else he wrestled Roman Reigns in like two 30 minute matches and like d- incredible. I, and honestly, I think a big part of the appeal is, and like I've like I, a lot of people have noticed that he's obviously putting more, more oomph into his work is him getting to do the curb stomp again. Yeah. Like I personally, I, I get why they took it away for multiple reasons, but God, it's such a cool fucking move. Yeah. Like it, it like, it's like the RKO in the sense it can come from out of nowhere, but also not because it looks about twenty times more painful than the RKO. It's like, like very devastating. Yeah, and like because like that was what I was like the finish he was known for. That that's what he had. He, he was he people yeah. knew him to do, and then he he finally gets his baby back, and he and he's just been letting go. He, of it. Yeah, literally been like on fire all year, which I, so I think the burn it down is kind of you know appropriate. And then, like, not taking away anything from Balor and Miz, I think they both also had great performances, but this was the Seth Rollins show. Obviously, Seth Rollins wins the match, becomes the last S.H.I.E.L.D. member to become a Grand Slam champion, which is, considering the S.H.I.E.L.D. debuted on WWE television less than six years ago, and at this point, all three of them have been Grand Slam champions, which, if you don't know what a Grand Slam champion, you've won both mid-card titles, a tag title, and the world title. So, the fact that all three of them have done that in less than six years 
is incredible. Like, yeah. like I remember, like especially, I mean, Seth Rollins on the indie circuit, Tyler Black was just kind of like this midwestern like punk rock kid. Yeah, D- Dean Ambrose he wrestled in fucking death matches for the majority of his career, and then Roman Reigns is a WWE system guy, so it's. Very three very different trajectories, and all mm-hmm. have led to like enormous success. Oh yeah, absolutely. Become like arguably, th- probably the three biggest stars to come out of. When you think of the twenty WWE's twenty tens, if I tell you to name the three biggest stars, you would probably name Rollins, Ambrose, and Reigns in some order. Like because I, I obviously Daniel Bryan has his, you know, the highs, but he also missed. Th- two and a half years out of the ring. Yeah. Three years out of the ring. So it's one of those things where like, you know, you kinda have to take that into account. But no, great great match. Uh perfect match to get the crowd hot. And then we roll right into the next match. I did, I did want to say that oh, it, go ahead. A, it, it, there's a nice little Rollinsism when he won the title, he's swinging above his head. Oh yeah, he does the helicopter. That's my favorite thing. Like, cause I'm I, I like it's so weird when people do that, I think about their hands. I'm like, man, you have to have some hand some fucking coordination going on to pull that off. Cause like, I, I know just like twirling a pencil in my finger sometimes I'm like, Oh fuck. Can't do that. I can't imagine taking like a 12, 15, 18 pound belt and then just going and like helicoptering it I mean, over so your head. Like, one day you spend it, it just goes flying and kills somebody. Yeah. Like your hands are sweaty after you wrestle. Like how does that shit just not like hit somebody in the crowd? I mean, Brock Lesnar has hit a kid in the crowd with the car door before. So like, <laughs> how do you not let go of the belt? Anyways, going on to the next match. For the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship, Charlotte Flair versus Asuka. I th- I think we have a little bit to unpack with this match because obviously a lot is Asuka comes in with her undefeated streak in NXT WWE whatever hasn't been pinned submitted anything in close to three years since she basically been signed. since she signed with the yeah. company. Well, yeah, since she's been signed, I couldn't remember an exact date. And then obviously Charlotte comes in SmackDown Women's Champ. Uh, obviously the the franchise the <laughs> the the face they want to put on the posters Charlotte obviously you know being Ric Flair's uh, Triple H is a Ric Flair guy not taking anything away from Charlotte because she's an incredible athlete but you know she her Sasha Bailey Becky four horsewomen she has a very very strong pedigree yeah <laughs> boom gotcha <laughs> um and and like Asuka coming in won the first women's battle or Royal Rumble almost said battle royal uh Royal Rumble so. How do you feel about the booking of this match? What I will say is that I feel like, just just my opinion, I do feel like people would put maybe the emphasis on the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Because I personally, while while disappointed that Asuka lost her, you know, had, had her streak broken and lost the match, I... Honestly, this match is my favorite match on the card. Yeah, mine too. And uh, I thought it was great. And just the camaraderie, like just the, just the, the the battle they put each other through, and the the camaraderie and the sportsmanship at the end was like wonderful and touching. And like, uh, I thought it was, it was just fantastic to just see like they they beat each other to hell, and they 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 embraced each other, and it was fantastic. Like like when uh, Oscar goes to congratulate, she doesn't even get to finish. But Charlotte just rushes in and hugs her. Mm-hmm. And there's an interview I saw that it did with Charlotte afterwards that I thought was just very emotional. Yeah. That Charlotte said, I wanted to be the best Charlotte I could for Oscar. Mm-hmm. And, and which is also a side note, I didn't realize Oscar was a mother. Okay. 
a lot of people didn't realize that. As in, like, so Asuka retired from the ring for about 10 or 11 months in, like, 06, 07. And literally Charlotte saying that was the first time people were like, oh, she went off and got pregnant and had a kid. That's why she retired for 11 months. So, like, Asuka has, like, this 10 or 11-year-old kid and married, I believe. Yeah, I she said be wife and mother. A lot of people didn't realize that, which is, like, also the weird thing about wrestling where, like, wrestler if they keep their lives private, they keep their fucking lives private. You don't know jack shit. Yeah, like... uh like, there's plenty of people that I had no idea had kids, had mm-hmm. wives. Like, I didn't realize that Avery Woods was married, Sami Zayn was mm-hmm. married. Like, they have, they're very good at keeping their yeah. professional and private lives separate. No, absolutely. And Which is, is probably them? important to do. Yeah. And especially in something that's, you know, seen by millions of people every week. But going back to the Charlotte Oscar match, I, w- I was in the camp, and I, I realized a lot of people on Twitter that I asked about this was also in the camp where a lot of people thought Oscar maybe should have lost her streak sooner. Like, maybe to Ember Moon in NXT. Yeah. Because, like, her... I don't want to say burdened with it, but she was kind of been burdened with it on the main roster since she's came to the main roster just because, I mean, you kind of know that... Like, you know she ain't dropping that shit on TV. So yeah. you pretty much boiled it down to TV... Or to pay-per-views. And she's wrestled on, like, four or five pay-per-views at this point. So it's like, you knew it was eventually coming. And uh, I I agree with you. I wish people wouldn't, like, sulk on the fact, like, man, I can't believe she lost to Charlotte. Like, I would much rather her lose to Charlotte than pretty much, uh, like, because Charlotte has the accomplishments, you know. Obviously, this is something that will be shown in Charlotte's, like, when she's inducted into the Hall of Fame, which is, you know, will happen one day. It would be like, she broke Oscar's streak. It's like like one of those things where, yeah, you're kind of resume like, you know, you're adding to your resume just because at that point. But at the same time, it's like, I'd rather her lose to Charlotte than like 90% of the other women on the roster. Because at least that kind of makes sense. Like, it, like it's, it seems like it, it would be a believable opponent mm-hmm. for her to lose against. Yeah. And plus, like, I feel like the same people who are complaining that she lost her streak or the same people who are saying like, oh, yeah, Carmella's going to come in and cash on Oscar when she wins. Exactly. I and mean, how much more upsetting would that be? Yeah, like, would you, would like, and I liked I like Carmella, but like a lot of people would have been pissed if Carmella was the one to end Oscar's streak, like via Money in the Bank cashing. Like yeah. that would have that would have been it's insane. Like, and plus, I will say uh, I did have an interesting view on this WrestleMania in terms of the women's matches because uh, I follow several wrestling fans and several wrestling artists, and predominantly they're women or queer or both. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can guarantee. you, even though a lot of them weren't happy with the outcome, it was 99% positive and glowing. And I feel like everybody who's complaining about it, they seem like they seem like mostly dudes, and they seem like the street completely ruined the match for them. Yeah. Which I think is absurd. Yeah. Because like, no, that match was amazing. No, it was a great... I mean, again, I think we both agree it's probably the match of the night. Yeah. Um, Charlotte busted out new shit. Oscar busted out new... Charlotte doing that Spanish fly off the the rope is insane, especially for somebody as tall as she is. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, Charlotte's probably, I would say, an easy 5'11", 6 foot. She's got to be at least 6 At foot. least. She's, I mean, I mean, she got legs for days. That woman's tall. And, um, God, like, it's it's just a great match. And, yeah. And, like, I, like Charlotte's entrance was was pretty sick. Oh, yeah. When she came out to, like, gold and, yeah. like, uh, just spoke Zarathusa mm-hmm. and, like, and referencing, like, uh, WrestleMania 30 when she was one of Triple H's golden girls. Yeah. And then, like, she had all these golden gladiators with them. It's, like, it was an amazing. And then Asuka had that VR 
shit going the on. The weird, it reminded me a lot of Vaporwave for some reason because it was like kind of shoddily done, but not shoddily done. Like 3D graphics, uh, Oscar mask, and it's just like, okay, I can appreciate that. But also, the effort. Yeah, a lot of effort for just the live viewer at home. Um, but you know, I digress. It was cool, but yeah, great match. Obviously go see it. I probably one of the top matches of the weekend for me personally. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Speaking of matches of the weekend, fatal four way for the WWE United States championship, Jinder Mahal versus Randy Orton versus Bobby Roode versus Rusev. <laughs> like uh, what a f- weird ass booked match. So if uh, let, let me give a little background. Cause I think we're both going to have a lot to say on this. The match was originally just going to be Jinder Mahal versus Randy Orton versus Bobby Roode. Rusev's whole shtick with the Rusev day got so over, he literally, last minute, gets added to the match. Because, like, he's... Not only is it just, like, the chance on every show, but, like, his merchandise is way, way, way up with the Rusev day shirt. Yeah, the Rusev day shirt is literally, I think, the for the last couple of weeks has been like the number one or number two selling item on WB shop, which is again, insane for a guy that is sometimes not even on TV. Yeah. Just because they don't push them that much. And they, they book the mat and uh, Patrick just run us through this. Like it, 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 to me, it just seems like this perfect storm of just weird shit. Yeah. Like, like, uh, that's a perfect way to describe it. Because like they had they had all their entrances like everybody you know Randy comes out he's the champion Bobby comes out does his glorious stick uh, Jinder comes out in his like you know dress Indian uniform and then like his fucking head piece falls off and he tries mm-hmm. to play it off and just like oh that's a botchamania moment and then Rusev comes out at, but but he has his is his his uh, Shakespeare song yeah uh, Aiden English comes out who apparently got a haircut within the hour he was on TV at the Royal Rumble. He got a shaved head. His whole ass head. head is shaved and he does his singing and he's just like, he, he cut his hair backstage. What happened there? Yeah. And Rusev comes out. I was hoping for the tank. I was like, they just bring out the tank. They just yeah. just I was hoping the- he would go on a tank again. And so this, like, I, honestly, like, I forgot this match when I was putting my list together from my, from my own memory and I was like, oh yeah, that's Matt Hatch. And then like, Nothing really happened. It's kind of just like and this and that all together, and then um, and then the Rusev's in the ring and gets the Rusev Day chant, and then he gets hit by the most devastating finisher in WWE. Yeah, the Sing Brother distraction followed by the Coloss. Yeah, <laughs> it's devastating. Like New Japan, you can keep your Rainmaker. This is where it's at. It, it's so bizarre to me how Rusev is a last minute addition to the match, and not only. Does he not win? Because I thought it was be like, oh, they're going to give the title to Rusev. Exactly. Obviously, with, I thought with him being so over, him being really the only true babyface in the match. Because I mean, uh, people like Bobby Roode, people like Randy Orton enough. Gender obviously is hated if in, in front of New Orleans is just fact, and also a terrible wrestler. But so is Orton. <laughs> um, it's, it's well, Orton has the has the ability of being a terrible person and a yeah, really boring yeah. wrestler. Or, or, Orton hits that nice Venn diagram cross section where it's like terrible person, terrible wrestler. He's right there in the middle. It's, it's at least Jinder Mahal's nice outside. Yeah, Jinder, you know, great human being. But like this Rusev's moment, and then the fact that he gets pinned. Like, how do you mess up that? That was the. In my opinion, the first of many weird booking decisions. A lot of people would say the first weird booking decision of the night was Oscar losing her streak. I think that's fine, personally. And, yeah, because like just going to the Austin, like after a certain point, undisputed streaks become just come really awkward and unmanageable, and just exactly. Like, yeah, it's 
they're nice to have, but like sooner or later, you just gotta have to deal with it. But yeah, on this match, it's like uh, it was, it was, it was of all the matches on the card, it was definitely one of them. Yeah, no, for <laughs> for sure. Uh, like out of the seven hours and ten minutes, this was definitely you know eight minutes. Yeah, and it was it was the cooldown match. Yeah, for sure. Um, so up next, the mixed tag team match. Kurt Angle and the debuting Ronda Rousey versus Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. Uh, honestly, not bad. Not near as bad as I thought it was going to be. Cause it, I thought everybody was going to be a train wreck in that match. It was much better than anybody was thought it was going to be. Yeah. And it, it's one of those things where uh, Ronda, huge piece of shit human being. Just so, just in case you didn't know, she's, she hates trans people and mm-hmm. she doesn't think the Sandy Hook mass shooting happened. Thought it was fate. That's true. Uh, just a, a terrible human being in all regards. So really, uh, like, uh, f- from an in-ring perspective, she did do a lot better than I thought she was. Just from seeing the footage of her doing dark segments, I thought she was going to be trash. Yeah. And she she wasn't. She, she, you know, she had her moments. But personally, I hope what comes out of this match and, and the mixed match challenge by default is I kind of hope it allows WWE to kind of open up that barrier between intergender wrestling more. Yeah. And I hope for them it allows them to have like more moments like that where like, you know, like I, I know last year on SmackDown especially was a huge problem. Like Charlotte would be champion and then like some guy would just come out and interrupt her. And like, why wouldn't Charlotte whoop that guy's ass? Like that, you know? that was one thing that bugged me about the the one thing that did bug me about the Charlotte Oscar match is that you know Oscar's walking down the ring and see uh, I mean Charlotte's walking down to the to the entrance and then Oscar's still in the ring they're kind of just like sharing a moment across the ring and then like John Cena gets up and runs yeah and he's like Undertaker's here I gotta go yeah it's the, like the, the you're gonna meme. do this right now Cena yeah the meme of the show obviously John Cena running up the ramp so I I hope that does happen and I'm interested to see what they do with Ronda next just because okay now she she's seen as being on par from an athletic standpoint with Triple H who in WWE lore is like the best yeah outside of John Cena so and also she broke Stephanie McMahon's arm twice or something she broke it on yeah WrestleMania and she broke it again uh, on-, on Raw so it's like what do you even do with her next because like like it's going to allow WB to kind of elevate their women as a whole. Because I honestly think, if you ask me right now what main event's WrestleMania 35, I think it's Charlotte versus Ronda. That's what I was thinking. Because, like, you have what Charlotte's accolades up to this point. Mm-hmm. Won every women's title in WWE. Mm-hmm. You know, defeated Asuka. And, and uh, I feel like that's probably what it goes to next. Like, yeah. Well, that, I feel like that match is coming, whether or not it's next year or any... Uh, but I feel like that, that match is coming. Yeah. For better or for worse. Yeah, which I think is cool. Like, the fact that we're even realistically talking that a women's match can main event WrestleMania and not WrestleMania 35 is incredible just because, I mean, four years ago, there like, there wasn't a, wrestle, a women's match on the main card. Yeah. Like, up until a couple of years ago. And then, you know, you have this these crop of NXT girls, and then it brings up all the main roster girls that are still there, like Naomi and Natalia and stuff. And it, it really opened up a whole new door, and, and now you have, like, women's wrestlers, they've main-evented pay-per-views, main-evented multiple episodes of TV, both Raw and SmackDown. It's gotten best match of the year. Yeah, be- best match of the year in NXT and WWE. And then, like, I mean, again, with, uh, I, I think, Charlotte, Sasha, Bailey, and Becky, just based on all of their merits and all of the credit that they deserve, 
are all first ballot Hall of Famers in in WWE's weird ass Hall of Fame logic. But like for just the reality of pro wrestling, I think that they've allowed to open up doors never seen on television before with women's wrestlers, which I think is really cool. So I, I hope that's that's what we get from this, not just Ronda breaking everybody's arm. Yeah, uh, just like the elevation of women in general in the company and their and their skill showcasing their skills and also maybe opening the door to energy because like and it sees flirted with ender ginger mm-hmm. with like the so, candace and champa stuff and zelina of course it, i guess like that was a that was a gag like or because i've been hearing a lot of talk about this uh candace and champa bit like was that just because like way back when when uh, Champa beat up Johnny that you know, he thought Candace was going to step in and whoop yeah. his ass. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, nothing's happened. That's just like the bit right now. Like a lot of people think Candace is going to try to fight Champa or Champa's going to attack Candace. But then, I mean, also in NXT, you have Zelina, like her karateing guys and Nikki Cross. She jumped on Adam Cole's back. Yeah. Like, she like, yeah, and like Nikki Cross has been like sent through tables and stuff. So, like, it's slowly being broken down. Like, it's, you, you can't do it all at once. Because I can see how that could be a shock, especially to a newer viewer. like Or especially to, like, a very restrictive upper management, more so than yeah, anybody. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, ob- you know, obviously, you, you know, you have to work within the confines of, you know, TV contracts as well. So, but I, I think it's a, a great first step. Or we're, we're not even at first, a great third step, great fourth step. Uh, I, I think the women have a Royal Rumble and an Elimination Chamber this year. Obviously, that opens up all new doors, like, like seeing like finally i think management is seeing women at the same athletic level as the men yeah which i again five years ago would have been unheard of because i mean five years ago you had like snooki wrestling at wrestlemania like or it it was one of the fairly recent wrestlemanias like snooki wrestled and probably was like the best woman to ever wrestle on wrestlemania at that point just because like all of the women wrestlers they used to hire they were like oh you're pretty we'll hire you but oh i can't wrestle well that's fine we'll make it work <laughs> so it's just it's one of those things that's cool now that they they actually have legitimate women's wrestlers and like obviously had great coaching staff and nxt and just them being naturally talented uh is a great step for them uh so up next the triple threat tag team match for the wwe smackdown tag team championship the Bludgeon Brothers, which is <laughs> Harper and Rowan, I didn't realize they dropped their first names. Is it apparently that, like you only you only have one name? Either you drop yeah. your first or your last. Yeah, it would oh, God, it would be so great if the tag was just fucking Luke and Eric. <laughs> That'd be so good. Versus the Usos versus the New Day, which was Biggie and Kofi in this match. Uh, pretty much a squash match. It went five minutes maybe, and I mean it was the Bludgeon Brothers show. They, yeah. they destroyed the like it's funny like after the Usos and New Day have like this tag team defining feud on TV last year into this year like the, if you want to establish a new tag team have them destroy your two top tag teams and that's what they did with the Bludgeon Brothers which is good I've all, I've always liked Rowan I've always liked Harper um I've liked Harper for years uh matter of fact so it's cool to see them get like that WrestleMania moment and them walking with the tag titles I mean yeah I, 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 <laughs> I do feel like uh, we'll have to touch on uh, we have to touch on New Day's entrance with uh to this match. Oh yeah, no, the New Day's entrance in in this match was I mean absolutely incredible with the pancakes. The they they had their little VR with the, like a rainbow stretched across two mm-hmm. stacks of pancakes. Which I want to be honest, at first I thought it was like an inflatable until I saw it was levitating off the ground. I'm like, oh okay. <laughs> and then they come out. Uh, the New Day themselves come out, and then uh, Xavier. Uh, 
plays the uh, the Dragon Zord tune on his trombone, and then little people dressed as stacks of pancakes come yeah. hobbling out and jumping around. And yeah, literal short stacks. Like they start doing the worm. It's b- fucking bizarre. Like if you see that GIF in a non wrestling context, even in a wrestling context, it's weird. But in a non wrestling context, it's like what the. F- whole fuck is going on and uh, i don't know if you noticed but uh on on the new day's uh attire they, they had like uh they had the saitama okay face but it was just them oh no i didn't realize on their, on their individual uh outfits oh man that's incredible i i wish and i, I realized because you know they cosplayed as black panther characters recently at a con yeah i wish they could have got the licensing rights for that because i think that would have been incredible well cedric he did dress as black panther yeah cedric had his little uh little uh Black Panther attire, and I don't, I couldn't really tell who Mustafa. I couldn't tell if Mustafa Ali was going for like a Bucky vibe. Well, actually, I think it was supposed to be Sub Zero, Iron Man, or Iron Man. But the mask threw people off. Yeah, the mask was weird. So, which some people even said uh, Blue Lantern. Yeah, which. Okay, but yeah, there's a, a lot. A lot of people don't realize most wrestlers huge nerds. So you're, there's going to be some. I mean, fucking one year, New Day came out dressed up like Saiyans, and then I think then another pay per view they were dressed up as Red Lanterns. Yeah, they were dressed up as Red Lanterns on one show. So it's just one of those things. But the, the tag title match just kind of there. I mean, it was a fine match, but it, it was so short, it never really got the chance to get going. And then Bludgeon Brothers just kind of destroyed everybody. Yeah, like they they you know they they had they had their upper mobility. What <laughs> Like future fantasy booking, I want like I want uh, Rizango fashion the police to take the titles from it because they because that's that's where the Blood Brothers were kind of introduced with you know mm-hmm. heckling them and then like that'd be a nice turnaround however likely it is. It'd also be great if the if a whole wrestling feud was built off the fact that the fashion police were like leathers out guys <laughs> like we're not doing leather anymore and like that was a whole like multi-month long feud just because of the bludgeon brothers refusing to wear anything but leather it'd actually be really fucking good i know now i'm down for it up next the most anticipated match on the card undertaker versus john cena what a weird thing that was so, so to set up the match at first it, uh john cena goes out and then it gets dark and then you hear Hi, my name's Elias. It did like the guitar strum, obviously. And Elias comes out and like he's like, John Cena, get out of the ring. Blah blah blah. And John gets out of the ring. Who, by the way, we forgot to mention, John Cena was seen drinking before the show. Like they kept cutting to him and like he had his beer in his hand. And you could tell he was kind of hiding it. So Patrick, I need a guess. How many brewskis did you think John Cena put down before he got in the ring with Undertaker? Five. Fuck, I was going to say four. Okay. So uh, there, I've seen some interesting theories on Twitter because there's sto- there's stories out there where that John Cena is like a legendary level drinker. But a lot of people are like, oh, it's apple juice. First off, uh, it's, no. Like, what venue has apple juice and point me in the direction? <laughs> yeah, right. If anywhere has apple juice, let me know. And a lot of people just thought it was the same beer. But at multiple points, you could tell it was more full and more empty than it was at certain. So, yeah, uh, I'm thinking John was a little a little buzzed, at least, getting into the ring, which is kind of funny when you're about to perform in front of, you know, 78,000 people. You're yeah. like, oh, I got a little buzz going. This is nice. Um, God, I'm just imagining a John Cena in what like i'm pretty sure he could blow the rafters off with just like his yell oh yeah because like i forget which bella he's married to but like nikki nikki it's like i can only imagine this she's seen (laughs) yeah it's it's actually kind of frightening but it's it's, so john gets in the ring elias tells him to get out elias is like uh john cena gets pissed attacks elias 
And John's like, oh, shit, I guess Undertaker's not here. Walks out of the ring. Dong. Undertaker's music. And you're like, oh, fuck, shit's about to go down. Light comes up and his his gear, his hat, and his jacket are in the ring. Mm-hmm. Spotlight. John's like, whoa. Yeah. And then, like, the shittiest VFX lightning you have ever seen strikes the middle of the canvas. And it looks incredible on television. <laughs> It, it's just all like, that money you spent on the mask and the yeah. rainbow. Uh, it literally looked like somebody drew a li- lightning bolts to go. To, it was incredible. They, they spent all their budget at the South of the show. They had yeah. none left. Multi-billion dollar company probably gets a 13 year old to do their, gra- their graphics. It's, it's honestly some galaxy brain shit. Cause it's incredible. Undertaker <laughs> walks to the rain who, by the way, not wearing a wig, doesn't have the short hair. He's in his undertaker gear. He's got legitimate long hair match rings and i guess that hip replacement did undertaker a lot of good because he moved a thousand times better in this match than he did all of last year against roman reigns yeah for sure this is the uh, he's definitely better than last year and uh mm-hmm. you know, he beats john cena in about five minutes yeah non wikipedia has it listed as 245 which holy shit <laughs> that's fast like it's like literally the whole match is undertaker gets his shit in Undertaker hits old school. John does his shoulder blocks, goes for the five knuckle shuffle. Undertaker sits up, scares John shitless, choke slam, tombstone, match over. <laughs> like that's it. Like, <laughs> like I, I don't know what good this did anybody. He's like they they had cruiserweights on the pre-show for this. Yeah, like it, it's weird because like on on one hand, like I get why John Cena lost. Like, John Cena's kind of, like, not really being the bully in this feud, but kind of like, old man Mark, come out of retirement. Like, he's being, he's being very entitled, this whole story up yeah. to this point. Like, I'm John Cena, of course I'm supposed to get a match. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was, kind of, it was kind of a weird change for his character, really. And and then he has the match and loses in under three minutes. So you're like, uh, like, like, what was the point of it? Like, could John not have fit in anywhere else? Really? Like, it's one of those weird things where like, I get it. It was a cool little thing to see a John, a three minute undertaker, John Cena match. Sure. I'll take it every day of the week. But yeah, also just like, why? Like, like I would have liked to have been in a fly on the wall where they're like, all right, we're going to have the undertaker go over John Cena in two and a half minutes. Go. <laughs> I guess like, like have, Taker have his quickest WrestleMania victory, I guess. I guess, but even then, like, at Raw 25, Undertaker comes out, who looked decrepit as fuck at Raw 25, which was just two and a half months before WrestleMania. And he goes, you've seen, or he pretty much goes, I'm retired. Yeah. And then two and a half months later, he's wrestling and looks to be in the best shape he's been in about six years. And I guess, like... And he's wrestling later again this month. Yeah, he's going to Saudi Arabia and fighting Chris Jericho in in a a casket casket match. match. Which, you know, take that as you will. (laughs) It's like... Part of me is like, you know, good for Taker. I'm glad he's feeling better. Mm -hmm. But realistically... Dude's 53. Just fucking park it, dude. You're, you've done enough. Like, I mean, I understand, like, as a wrestler, you know, not, not, not I'm not a wrestler, but just yeah. from hearing people say, like, people who are who are wrestlers and have to quit, it's, like... It's tough. It's like losing this whole part of yourself, and it's, it's terrible for them. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, just, like, the toll, the enormous toll that is taken on Undertaker's body, it's, like... Like, it's, you know, physically probably time for him to hang out. But it's, like... What really more can we get? Yeah, what can he do? He's won Rumbles. He's won world titles, tag titles, 
Well, you're going to give Undertaker a fucking United States Championship run? That would be weird. <laughs> like, like he's not he's not going to bust out anything you haven't seen. Like he like he's just yeah. not physically able. He's not going to be he's not going to be doing topes or anything. Yeah. While like he's just kind of there because it's mania and like I I don't want to make it seem like oh you know bully Taker was kind of like it's what you know this this is a spot that this is something that neither of them really needed because yeah. both of them are have. Well, stat resume. That yeah, this isn't something they needed. This. I'm I'm interested to see how Undertaker looks in the Jericho match in a few weeks, and just what, because like Jericho's not what he used to be, and you have the weird stipulation of a casket match. Which, if you don't know what a casket match is, it's exactly how it sounds. You're trying to get your opponent in a fucking casket, and you close it. And like those those matches, those matches are known for being pretty or, bad, <laughs> like or just like long. Like, yeah, like is like is a back and forth, and kind of like. They're going to have this big thing and it just ends in like 10 minutes because I don't see Undertaker going those 20, 30 minute yeah. shindig, even with Jericho trying to carry him. Yeah. It like it, We'll see. So <laughs> We'll find out. That that great that whole Greatest Royal Rumble, we could probably do a whole show on the Greatest Royal Rumble because good Lord, that is going to be a fucking wild ride, but we're not here to, for that. We're here to talk WrestleMania. Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. If Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn win, they would have been rehired to SmackDown. Yeah. So obviously the big story coming into this match, Daniel Bryan unretiring thought he had life altering CTE brain lesions, cracked skull, all the shit career ending, career ending injuries at like 33. And then all of a sudden he gets rechecked by about 30 doctors and they're all like, Oh no, actually everything's fine. Your brain's fine. Your skull's fine. Yeah. You can go and wrestle however you want. And fuck, does he do? He literally takes an apron power bomb five seconds to the match. Yeah, he takes. He did not skip a beat. He does like a mm-hmm. moonsault, I think. Yeah, like, and if you don't know, apron hardest part of the ring. Pat, did you know that that the apron is the hardest part of the ring? <laughs> I only heard that about half a dozen times. Yeah. So it's. I mean, he look, didn't miss a beat. They do the whole bit where they're like, "Oh, Daniel Bryan's being carted to the back," and then he's like, "Nah, fuck, I ain't. I'm here." It's just so weird that they, they you know. <sighs> How they just sort of hyped this match to Daniel Bryan's in-ring return and then immediately cut the wind out of themselves, like having him be injured, you know, uh, then have Shane McMahon, you know, wrestle for 11 minutes. Yeah, and then the thing with Shane is, like, he kept selling his stomach. He had a fucking part of his intestine cut out, like, a week and a half before Mania. Probably shouldn't have been cleared by any reputable reputable doctor but was for some reason because I, I like i even know like when you get your appendix removed you're not supposed to like be wet for like a week and that's with an appendix he had a part of his intestine removed yeah they had diverticulitis my, my yeah. father had that they had to take, take yeah. out they cut out a section of your intestine yeah that's like what lesnar had when he had uh colon cancer he that's what he got they cut out like 14 inches of his fucking small intestine it's insane and then you have shane mcmahon like doing coast to coast yeah, on sammy doing a coast to coast taking some insane bumps as i mean I, I like to call shane mcmahon he's the world's richest backyard wrestler ever where like he never learned how to properly wrestle but fuck me will he just crash into stuff and jump off of stuff and be a billionaire while doing it <laughs> so i mean what what did you think of the finish of the match? Uh, like I know, obviously, Sammy's your guy. Sammy but, and Kevin, they're my boys, yeah. and they're just out in the cold right now, man. I'm I'm yeah. sad for them, but bring our boys home. But like, if if any if Daniel's gonna have a match with anybody, it it Sammy was the perfect guy because nobody's gonna take care of him like Sammy. Nobody's gonna like 
you know, work with him. Nobody's going to sell like him. And he was the right partner to have in this moment. Yeah. And, and honestly, like, it was kind of odd. Like, it may sound weird, but I was expecting Daniel to turn on Shane. See, I was expecting Shane to turn on Daniel. So, it got because I know a lot of people had one of those two predictions during the show. They thought one of them was going to turn. And then... He just wins. They just win, and they're like best buds. And, like, you know, Shane McMahon wearing his patented baseball jersey had the yes on the back, number 34. So I thought that was kind of neat. I mean, it was it was a cool match. Was it the best match on the card? No. But it was, like, it's cool seeing somebody you never thought was going to wrestle again go out there and just fucking kill it. Yeah. Like, that, like that to me, is probably one of the biggest things to come out of the weekend is, like, wow, Daniel Bryan, not only has he been out of the ring for three years, he's still, like, one of the best people in the ring after not wrestling for three years. That just shows that his level of skill that yeah, three years on the bench and he's... He comes back and is like one of the best guys on the roster. At least like he hasn't missed a day. Yeah, absolutely. So, up next, WWE Raw's Women's Championship, Nia Jax versus Alexa Bliss. My one qualm with this match, I thought this was another weird booking decision. I think it went too long, honestly. I think Nia should have just absolutely fucking destroyed Alexa and Pinder. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I felt that that was a common refrain for tonight. Just the ma- matches, however good, they might have been just like itsy bit too long. Yeah. Uh, I did think it was funny how like um, Nia just like murdered my- <laughs> Mickey, Mickey James. James. Yeah. And then um, like she she beat up Alexa pretty handily, but yeah. Alexa had like you know Alexa's like sneaky and like yeah Alexa had her shine in the match for sure. Yeah, but. But I'm just I'm just really glad Alexa's not champion anymore. Yeah, I'm I'm really happy that Nia won. Uh, I, I wasn't a big fan of the story they try to push with this, this match, this especially like with Alexa and Nia legit being like best friends. best friends in real life. And, like, and and I really like like just seeing their like you know social media time hanging out. Yeah, just super cute and fun, and their friendship's really adorable. And just like stupid body yeah. shaming, especially with Alexa who has suffered with like. Bulimia. bulimia and stuff and, and anorexia and, yeah and you know obviously naya was bullied as a child she's talked about that before so it's like one of those things just kind of like a poor taste and then it doesn't make sense with mickey james being in on it considering there was a whole storyline like eight years ago where mickey james was being fat shamed and it doesn't really make sense or in that, like alexa was doing that to her just a few months ago yeah so it's like you know the whole piggy james shit it's like it, the bad taste but I got the result I wanted. Like Nia Jax. I'm glad winning. Nia won. Yeah. She, she deserved it. Uh, I think. I think she's a great person, and I'm glad she's having her moment. Yeah. And like, I'm. I don't really like want to disparage Alexa, but I just. I was just. I think her title run had just run its yeah. course. It was. It, I feel well, it was such got, a weird title run too, because she went like three months without defending the title at all, like on television, yeah. which is like unheard of. And it, it just kind of felt bad that you know. <laughs> To be like Sasha had that for like what a week before yeah. she Alexa got it back. Not long at all, and and like you know Alexa was the first person to have the distinction of winning both SmackDown and Raw, which is cool to see. Like somebody well, she's from also NXT. the first to lose both. Yeah, also the first to lose both because Charlotte hasn't lost the SmackDown's women's title yet. So it's one of those things, and now it's cool that like this second crop of NXT, uh, these NXT girls are getting their title runs. Like you have Alexa, you know, now you have Carmella SmackDown. Uh, well, I guess Charlotte has lost now. Uh, <laughs> Carmella, I f- completely fucking forgot about money in the bank, but Carmella is now SmackDown women's champ. Nia is Raw's women's champ. It's kind of cool to see that, but yeah, I think it could have went a little bit shorter. Uh, but I mean, that's my one minor qualm was, with the was, match. It was itself. a fine match. Yeah. The match was fine. Um, up next, um, uh, uh, 
kind of a controversial match for the WWE Championship. AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Shinsuke coming in as the winner of the the men's Royal Rumble, mm-hmm. and uh, AJ uh, coming in as like one of the one of the biggest WWE uh, champions. Uh, very strong, uh, very strong run. Shinsuke having this grandiose entrance with uh-huh. uh, the violin and the. I did think it was funny as he was um, going down the aisle, and it, like when he's just like flanked on either side by violinists. There is one girl who who had like a coy wink to the camera, and we're all like, "Oh, she's going to the business for herself." Yeah. And and like the fact that he was played down by like Alice Cooper's guitarist i don't know if that's what you guitarist basis i don't know but it was being played down by that it was like this cool little remix of his theme i was like that's cool and but like the the match was so weird because it went 20 minutes which I, I, I hate harping on match length so much but it's weird when you look at some of these booking decisions it went 20 minutes and they never really got going like it, it felt like it ended right when it started to get hot yeah and and then obviously i think the wrong guy went over with aj winning yeah, it was very odd. Like, it's not that the match was bad, but it's kind of like they've had better matches on TV. Yeah, separately, and it's like, and they, I mean, they've had a better match with each other. Yeah, like, w- what was different here? This and, this should have been like a phenomenal, like you know, <laughs> to borrow a turn, phenomenal. But yeah. it, for whatever reason, it was just kind of ho hum. And then AJ wins, and you see Shinsuke sort of offer the title back and. And uh and uh support and then low blow Shinsuke yeah Shinsuke I mean low blow AJ and like Shinsuke heel turn is like and then like what like I wanted to say like when you know Shinsuke threw AJ out of the ring there was those are some shoot kicks that he hit oh yeah no for sure Shins if there's one thing about Shinsuke you can say he phones it in he kicks the fuck out of you like just look at anything. That he's done for the past like ten years, like he, I mean, he trained by Antonio Inoki, who, if you don't know who Antonio Inoki is, uh, a proper shoot stylist, if that is to use the term, Inoki would fuck you up. I mean, he used to make all the New Japan boys do MMA before Inoki, you know, got bought out of the company, and so like Nakamura has a legit MMA background as well as like a ton of other New Japan guys. So it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, he kicks the shit out of you. But the, the match never really got out of second gear, to use that wrestling term. It, it just kind of was there. Like, I, I literally think AJ's match with Brian on SmackDown was much better than this match. Yeah. Uh, I think Nakamura as a heel will probably add a, a good dynamic he hasn't had since he's been in the WWE. Like, the fact that he gets to use, like, his kind of chaos tendencies now. The chaos Nakamura. Yeah, so I'm, I'm happy with that. So... Uh, I think there was net positive to come from this match. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, what? It, like, it felt like they could have done so much more. But I, I think they're they're teasing. Something uh, else. Yeah, it's. I think it's going to continue. I think Nakamura and Styles are both going to stay on SmackDown, which is weird. Yeah. But I think they'll both end up staying on SmackDown or somehow both get drafted to Raw, which I think would probably be the wrong move. But, yeah. So, <laughs> we have that. Up next. The main event of the night. The main event. <laughs> WWE Raw Tag Team Championship, <laughs> Braun Strowman and Nicholas versus The Bar, Sheamus and Cesaro. So the whole story of this match. Well, Pat, you explain the story of this match. Yeah, um, you have they have The Bar as the Tag Team Champions, very dominant. You know, you know, in their fourth reign as Raw Tag Team Champions, and then um, Braun Strowman appears. You know, he's like he's he's ready to have a big moment. He's ready. To, he's ready to take charge and. 
he, he wins this uh, this rumble and he, he becomes uh, a contender for the all championships. And but he's a single guy; he doesn't have a partner. And he uh, he had all these teasing moments, like yeah, I got a tag team partner. I'll be right back. He comes back with like a button up shirt and glasses. I'm brainstorming. Yeah, and then he just whoops ass. And he comes and again. It's been teased like who's going to be his partner? It's going to be Elias. It's going to be this and that. He comes out and it's like, I I got my tag team partner. It's going to be one of you. And he just runs out yeah. in the audience and just like plucks his little boy out from the audience. And it's like, you're my partner, Nicholas. Yeah. And then like, uh, Ron just goes ham and just like whipping the crap out of Seamus and Cesaro. And then like they, they get up, they, they whip him back and, Brian like saggers over the corner and little ten year old Nicholas slaps hand and he's like boy shaking like a leaf the yeah. whole time and he's just like ah and he just tags back in and then like uh Brian kills Cesaro or somebody and yeah. they went and and uh they they raised their titles high and like little Nicholas is like trying to lift the title and it's as yeah big Nicholas as he is. literally cannot lift the title. Because he, I mean, he's ten. He's maybe seventy pounds. Yeah, like it, it, he's a small kid. And like I, the the story that I read, he's allegedly the ref's son. He's a, or he's a referee. A referee's son. son. Yeah, John Cone's son, Nicholas. But now, canonically, the youngest champion in WWE history at ten years old. Yeah, and didn't even wrestle. I I, I thought I thought it was neat. I thought it was really uh, cute. Uh, it got over in the building. I realized a lot of people on Twitter didn't like it because they were like, "Oh, we wanted Bobby Lashley. We wanted Batista. We wanted Elias or something." And then and it ended like, up being a ten year old. I mean, I thought it was I thought it was a lot of fun, and I yeah. loved the bar and like yeah, I do too. And like I wasn't sad that they lost because I because mm-hmm. I thought the match it's so much fun. Like, l- listen, wrestling is at its best when it's either when it's serious and when it's silly. Mm-hmm. Like, let wrestling be silly. Like, yeah, there's there's a time and a place. And I thought this was fine. Yeah, this is fine. There, there, this doesn't hurt Braun. Doesn't hurt the bar. The bar is gonna win another title. You know, yeah. they're, they're 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 fine. They're great. But I I thought I. I this is great. And Twitter, I mean, Twitter, like Twitter, I saw they love yeah, Nicholas. Yeah. Uh, Cause I guess we, I guess we just end up in two different spheres of wrestling Twitter. Well, that and I just follow way too many fucking people. So, <laughs> but uh, all, all, my Twitter feed was just unanimous yeah. praise. Oh, well, so was mine mostly. I mean, most of mine was like, "Oh, this fucking rules!" And like, yeah. I like the people I was watching it with. They it were was, like, "This is awesome. It's fun. Yeah. I, I liked it. I think it's fun." Um, I did want to say like the entrance to the match was like a fever dream because like. Seamus oh, yeah. and Cesaro come out in like a boat led by like the Mardi Gras people with the giant paper mache heads and they're just like, yeah, we're the bar. And then um, Braun Strowman comes out and it's like, he's chasing the way to Mardi Gras. But it's just like, they're just fleeing in terror. Like, yeah. Maple. And then he breaks the float in half. He just throws it off and the, the, the stage and yeah. it just breaks. And, and at this point, it's like 1030. You're like, am I dreaming this? What's happening? It's like, this is lucid dreaming because like, I feel, yeah. <laughs> I feel very much aware of what's happening, but at the same time, not really. I feel like I'm not believing what I'm seeing. Yeah, it, but yeah, I thought it was just a fun segment. Like it was meant to be nothing. It, it was. It, it, I mean, they ended, Braun and Nicholas ended up vacating the Raw tag team titles on Raw the next night. Totally harmless. Whatever, harmless. Fun. I I enjoyed it. Whatever. Let wrestling be fun, people. Yeah, let wrestling be fun. Um, now, the main event of the evening. The, evening, the true main. The event. true main event. Singles match. For the WWE Universal Championship, Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. Three years in the making. Three years since WrestleMania 31. You have been building up Roman Reigns to be the guy. The Roman Reigns, like Roman Reigns' time to be crowned the guy is here. He needs to win the world title. He needs to finally put away Brock. 
and none of that happened. <laughs> like, of all the matches, uh, this is the one everybody thought, oh, this is a slam dunk. Mm-hmm. We've known about this for years. We mm-hmm. knew this was coming. Their matchup 31 was great. You had the man who, you know, broke the Undertaker streak and the man who retired. retired Undertaker, which I guess you really can't say now. But the only two guys who have ever beaten Undertaker at WrestleMania, we can't say that, wrestling for the biggest prize in sports entertainment. Um, and and they just go out there and have a big, wet fucking shit. <laughs> like, it, it, it's absurd how bad that match was. Like, it's like, you know, Brock doesn't give a shit about anything. But, yeah. like, he, like... If he tickled the right button, he could put out a banger like his match with AJ. What it backlash last year? Uh, Survivor Series. Survivor Series. Yeah, that was a great match. Yeah, or and, like the Fatal Four Way from SummerSlam with Braun, uh, Joe, Reigns, and Lesnar. That match was great. But Brock Lesnar is at the point of he just doesn't care. Yeah, I mean it's it's obvious the dude's gonna go fight in UFC again. That's obvious, and I hate to be like ah he doesn't care, but he he doesn't. He hasn't cared for a long time. He cares about the money. When you're getting paid a quarter million dollars per appearance, you really could give less of a shit what goes on. You would probably let somebody shit on your chest for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I mean, if he gets paid the same money regardless of what he does, yeah, like, he doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah, matter. I imagine he probably makes more at something like WrestleMania. Probably something more than his regular quarter million dollar rate. So it's one of those things like, and obviously Lesnar's old. He's 41, old for professional wrestling standards. Uh, he gets gassed in about 11 seconds into the match. Literally turns an unhealthy color red. That's why they call him Brock Lobster. Yeah, Bro- just- Brock Lobster out there looks sunburned after doing any sort of physical activity. Um, and like, I, to Roman's credit, I think Roman tried in this match. Roman did as best as you can with a bag of potatoes. Cause yeah, that's like, what Lesnar was. In just glaze ham of a person. Yeah. Like it, it, I mean, it's, it, it may, it makes me sad too, because, and I, again, hate going on a tangent like this, but Roman Reigns gets a lot of shit. And I realize why he gets a lot of shit. He's been shoved down the viewers throats for two, three, four years since the shield broke up. Uh, didn't, you know, went over in the Royal Rumble at the wrong time, went over Daniel Bryan at the wrong time. So it's one of those things I get why a lot of viewers resent Roman Reigns. But if you look at Roman Reigns from the perspective of just in-ring work, just promo ability, dude's actually really, really good. Yeah, like, I... Like I, I don't, the problem's not with him. Like he, no. he, he can wrestle. He can go. He works his ass off. Mm-hmm. There has not been a top guy booked worse than Roman Reigns ever. And like, like it may sound like wrestling sacrilege to a certain people, but at this point, I just feel bad for Roman Reigns. Yeah, I, I, I mean, like, if, if if he's meant to be, you know, the crown prince. Yeah. But they keep just like whoop. They just like every like he just loses all these big things, and it's kind of like. <laughs> When's he gonna get it? Just, just let him get it. Yeah, because he he flew his family out to see yeah see him win, and then yeah, and didn't happen. And like the ending of the match, let's talk about the ending real quick. So Brock Lesnar, legitimately, there was no blading involved, no blood vessel packets. Brock Lesnar legitimately busts Roman Reigns open with some shots to the head, and he is gushing blood. I mean, more blood than I've seen in a, in a probably since the John Cena Umaga Last Man Standing match, like where John Cena. It's just fucking covered in blood. There's that, like, it's like Passion of the Christ. Roman is, cu- like, the ring, the canvas is... You don't you don't realize, you just see him, like, just kind of, like, his hair is dripping. Uh-huh. Like, dropping. At first you see it on his arm. And you're just like, where's that? It's coming from his hair. Then you look at his head, and then, and then like, when he gets up, his hair gets to his face, and then, like, his whole face... Yeah. Like, that, that's a... Like, 
for better or worse, that's a career moment for absolutely for him roaring with a face that covered in blood. That would have been his like uh, that would have been his Austin moment. Like when you know when Austin's bleeding and passes up from the sharpshooter at you know thirteen. That would have been his Austin moment. Have him you know Hulk up from the blood, go into this rage and just beat the fucking shit out of Lesnar. Lesnar hits him. He literally. Hits a Superman punch, bounces off the uh, the ropes for a spear. Lester picks him up. The six fucking F five of the match. Which, by the way, you have now completely killed the F five as a credible finisher. Like fuck, that's all out the window. If he kills literally every person on earth with one F five, with one Lesnar Roman Reigns kicked out of five. It took six to put him down. Like come on, and it's it, and he gets pinned, and you're just like. What the whole shit happened? Here? Like, 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 almost like, I almost feel like just for a second, everybody was just quiet. Yeah, because everybody, everybody, everybody knew, like, quote, quote, knew this outcome, and then it didn't happen. And yeah. everybody, and everybody just like, well, what the fuck happens now? Yeah. And then obviously, there's the rumors going around that Brock and Vince got into it backstage. Brock demanded more money, which I don't think that was the case. And and now you know, obviously, Brock and Reigns is happening again, and Saudi Arabia in three weeks. For the steel cage. And, like, a question has to come up. Did they pay so much money that Vince literally threw out the finish of WrestleMania for these, you know, money marks in Saudi Arabia? Like, it's very plausible that they were like, oh, we want Roman to win the title here. And it happened because they paid WWE $70 million. It's like, we'll just give you a jillion, jillion dollars. Yeah. But we want Roman Reigns to become the guy in Saudi Arabia. It's so weird. And and now there's the rumor, is Brock Lesnar signed to a short-term contract? Is he only going to wrestle one more match in the WWE? Because he's obviously fighting the UFC again. There's no doubt about yeah, that. Yeah, that, that's happening. This is where the, how soon it is. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, Brock Lesnar still has six months to serve on his steroid suspension that he suffered from his last UFC fight. So at the earliest, he can't fight till October. So like, you would think he'll probably fight at the end of the year in December. Is he going to wrestle anymore? What the what's happening with him? And like, so you have that up in the air. Which personally, I wouldn't have. A guy have a four hundred day title reign where I'm like, what are you doing next, dude? Like, yeah. like obviously, Vince McMahon has this weird relationship with big steroidy guys that have no respect with for him, and the fact that he just fucking loves them, um, he's just like, oh, you don't respect me, and I can respect that yeah. though, brother. And <laughs> it's the, like this abusive relationship that he just pursues. Yeah, it's so fucking weird. Like one of the richest people on the planet just loves having being grabbed by the balls and being like i own you pay me more money like it, it it's baffling it, it's just truly baffling and i, I like <laughs> if, if you thought you do something about a man's sex life it's probably gonna be triple h and stephanie man with their entrances yeah yeah for sure they love motorcycles in the bedroom uh, <laughs> they actually sleep in harley davidson beds like for a, a child no but I, I honestly i think it was kind of a wet fart ending to a, what i thought was a really good wrestlemania yeah like they had some had some weird moments as any WrestleMania would, but like yeah. overall, I thought it was fairly strong. Yeah, I thought it like where talk. Do you think this was better than last year's WrestleMania? Because I was live at last year's WrestleMania, and I thought this year's WrestleMania was better than last year's WrestleMania. Uh, yeah, because I, because I feel what what year was it that was really just crappy? Was it thirty two? 32 had Shane, Undertaker, Hell in a Cell. The Roman Triple H match main event, yeah, it was 32. Because 32 was pretty weak. 32 was dog shit. No, 34 was definitely better than 32, 33. I can see the case for 31. Probably the best WrestleMania since WrestleMania 30. So, like, I... I, I, 
I had a positive. Fun, yeah, I had a fun time with it. Yeah, I, it was a fun. Like it, like you know, I get the idea of saying, "Well, I just sat down and watched seven hours of wrestling." To a non-wrestling viewer like Cody, who's been kindly listening to the podcast for an hour and a half, two hours now, is just like, "Fuck all that noise!" But it's actually a really fun show. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Like, it, uh, it's fun with people. Yeah. No, it's it's wrestling is definitely a a more fun it's a spectator event spectator event like that's why obviously a wrestling you're gonna that's why live show bias exists it's because you enjoyed these things more with a crowd like i i enjoyed nxt so much when we watched it live on saturday but i had to come home and rewatch it again because i didn't remember jack shit because we're, so. we're just like <laughs> the, when we were there for the i was there for the latter half i, I think i can hear myself hopefully again i was there for the latter half of that episode or that the nxt and the best part about it was literally watching you guys roll around and jump around for that body. It was awesome. Patrick tried to hurricanrana on me at one point, which was a hoot. Uh, I'm pretty sure I hit uh, one of our friends was like at least two or three stunners, a, bull, a bulldog or two. Yeah, yeah. No, it, I mean, it was a ton of fun. It's just a ton of fun to watch wrestling with your friends. Um, highly recommend it. Highly recommend going out and getting some friends and watching some wrestling. Because uh, there's nothing better. Uh, last thing that I want to touch on before we leave. The yeah, post-mania. The post-mania. Obviously, we're not going to go through and review Raw and SmackDown. That, we would be here for another hour. I want to talk about the NXT call-ups. Yes. So, on Raw, we had Noe Jose. We had Authors of Pain. We had Ember Moon. Is that it? Noe Jose, Authors of Pain, Ember Moon. Uh, uh, yeah, I think that was it. We had the we had the return. We had the return of Jeff Hardy. We had yeah, return, return of, of Jeff Hardy. Return of Smojo. The return of Bobby Lashley. Yes. Uh, so it's I was gonna look it up. So it like Raw has definitely been revitalized. Yeah. Like adding uh a star to their women's roster, adding multiple stars back to their male roster. I mean Jeff Har- Jeff Hardy, Samojo, and Bobby Lashley all right now could be inserted into world title programs and then not come off as weird. Yeah, they, they can they probably get a shot straight to it. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, well, I mean, Samoa Joe's challenging Roman Reigns at Backlash. If Roman Reigns is champion, that's a fucking championship match, obviously. Yeah. So, and, and then Authors of Pain. I, I, did, I don't like that they left Paul Ellering. I get why they did, because Paul Ellering obviously doesn't want to be on the road every week. I get that. But, God, Paul Ellering is such a good fucking part of that act. Yeah, like, he's really... I, I like I do think it's really good, but I also kind of feel like it makes sense in the way because this is them graduating. Yeah, this is them from you know from NHC to the main roster, so uh, it may feel like they they've outgrown Paul. Like they, they yeah. don't need him to be their you know their leader. They can they can lead themselves. Yeah. and uh, I will like since I don't have cable at, at my house, uh, I had to watch it on Hulu. I I was a little irritated to cut. Ember's uh, debut. Oh, did that? That was completely absent from the Hulu version. So I'm like, even the match. The whole like the only, uh, the only thing I heard was her name. I'm just like, where is she? I, like, <laughs> and then like I go on YouTube and watch it, and I was wow hyped because I love Ember Moon. Yeah, but like, but I, but I realize Hulu gets a lot of gap because a lot of stuff gets cut from the Hulu edits. But Hulu does not edit Raw SmackDown themselves. That they just receive it. Yeah, they to, just receive the edits. They put it on air. So it's just like, dang, that got cut. But what a weird thing to get cut, though. I mean, I, like, I mean, <laughs> no offense, is uh, no way Jose, but I thought if anybody was cut, it'd be him. Yeah, like you know, and I like yeah. no way Jose, but because he had a squash match against John Skyler, which I thought was kind of cool because they both came up in CWF Mid Atlantic, um, 
and John Skyler got to work that squash match with Noe Jose. So I thought that was both kind of, that was kind of cool. Noe Jose to me is just going to be the career lower mid card guy though. Like maybe get a couple championship shots, intercontinental United States championship shots here and there, but he's totally a Santino character. Like with the whole, like his entrance music is hype as fuck though. Yeah. The, no way. Jose. I fucking love it. Like it just makes you want to, it's just one of those theme songs that makes you just want to fucking go insane. And I, I love it. And I, I think the, the main event of Raw was really good with Hardy, Balor, Rollins versus the Miztourage. I think that was kind of cool. You don't have your world title, obviously, to be the focus of the show. So elevating the Intercontinental Championship to main eventing the Raw after Mania show was kind of cool. Yeah. Jeff Hardy looked good in his return. So I, I, I love the Jeff Hardy, Bray Wyatt, Matt Hardy backstage segment yeah where they're just like all having this weird moment and then jeff hardy turns around and is like all right i'm ready guys and seth rollins and finn balor and they're just like what the what the hell is going on here and it's just like a family stuff and then they go it's off. like i don't understand it but but one thing is funny is that how in in the story jeff kind of just plays along with matt's weirdness but you know in real life it's the other way around oh no absolutely <laughs> absolutely so yeah raw super strong i mean again like your standard post Raw after main or post WrestleMania Raw, not a ton of matches, a lot of story, a lot of debuts. Uh, but then SmackDown the next night, uh, the big news coming in Paige retired on Raw. Paige comes in, new GM of SmackDown. Yeah, Daniel Bryan's out, Daniel Bryan's wrestler now. Yeah, um, and she makes AJ Styles versus Daniel Bryan. You're like, oh, shit. okay, oh, we can get down with that. And then, but so the what was weird to me, there wasn't any debuts on SmackDown aside from the Iconics, the former Iconic duo, Peyton Royce, Billy Kay. I thought they did a phenomenal job. Just with their, They were over probably the most overact on SmackDown that night outside of Daniel Bryan, Yeah, I would say. Like, you know, they go in, they do their shtick, they beat down Charlotte, and then you hear like F-A-B, you know, fabulous. I'm not going to spell fabulous here because I would be utterly embarrassed if I spelled it wrong, which is very possible. And Carmella comes out, cashes in. Carmella gets her moment. So it's kind of cool that, like, Carmella gets her moment in a believable way. She beats Charlotte. And then the Iconics, because apparently, apparently the whole story with that is they couldn't get the trademark for Iconic Duo. So now they're the Iconics with two I's. Yeah. So it's I-I-C-O-N-I-C-S. A lot of I's and C's. Uh, you, th- you thought they were probably like capitalize the other I? Yeah, it's it's – no, I believe it's two lowercase I's. And it's just all lowercase. I don't because well, it's supposed to be the Roman numerals too. Yeah, I, I think it was like two capitalized and then you know iconic. Oh yeah, but like, but I, I I love Billy Kay and Peyton Royce, and I'm glad they're they're on the main roster. And Peyton Royce was in the the Women's Rumble. Yeah, uh, yeah, she was in the Battle Royal. So I mean that that was cool. And then obviously Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, kind of capping off WWE's weekend is like. If you told me a month ago that was happening, I'd be like, no fucking way. No way. And then, like, they go out there, they kill it. Nakamura comes in, Kinshasa to Daniel Bryan. So Daniel Bryan gets the DQ win, kicks AJ in the dick like eight times. It rules. Nakamura's in there. You know, like, I already like heel Nakamura more than I've liked Nakamura on the main roster or on the WWE roster at all since he's came to to the WWE. So that that's kind of cool. So, Patrick, to. Kind of closing thoughts. What what was your overall thoughts of the weekend? I thought it was a uh, very strong weekend for for WWE wrestling, and uh, I didn't get a chance to experience much of it outside of it wrestling. But I heard it was good too. But it's 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 been a very fun weekend, and it's been a blast just to go through it all as a fan and go through it with with my friends and see it all. And it's just been 
a lot of fun, and I'm very excited and interested to see what comes next. Yeah, that, I mean, that's where I stand. Like, NXT watching that with, uh, you know, all of us on Saturday was a ton of fun. WrestleMania was a ton of fun. Raw SmackDown was a ton of fun. Probably the most fun I've had watching wrestling in pro- probably about a year. Yeah. So, it, which is absurd when you think about just the amount of content, like, squished into four. And that doesn't even count the non-WWE wrestling I watched, which was about six shows worth. Yeah. So like just a lot of wrestling, just just a fun time had by all. Like just just a a, a strong week. It's one of those weekends where I'm like I'm glad I'm a fan of this because yeah. no other sport can bring me a joy like this than pro wrestling, and it, it makes me really happy to just like be a part of all that. Yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah. So, well, Patrick. If you're done here, first off, I'd like to thank Cody for being here, being technical guy for how, how long did we go, Cody? Two hours. Two hours of wrestling talk, and he is not fucking down with it at all. So thank you. I wanted to, uh, so thank you for Cody for being here. Thank you for listening to the All You Can Hear podcast. Well, fuck you, Pat. Well, well, obviously, thank you, Pat, but Pat also <laughs> loves wrestling. So like easier to. <laughs> He's like you. you really this was also planned very last minute. This isn't something we had planned on the schedule. I literally like last Wednesday was like, y'all want to do a WrestleMania show? And they're like, sure. And so that like like out. I've been waiting to do a Wrestle Talk on the podcast for a long time. Yeah, like that. Yeah, so that it's kind of cool. We got to bring that to life. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, I realize a lot of you may not be regular listeners. So just to tell you what we got coming up next, uh, we re- we upload every Monday. Uh, next on. April 16th, we're uploading like a spring anime 2018 review slash preview where we're looking at some of the more hyped anime of the season. We're doing that. The next Monday, we're doing another taste test. We're doing a Lace Chips taste test. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And then on April 30th, we're actually celebrating our one year anniversary. It's going to be like a fun little variety show thing. So definitely check that out. And then uh, the 27th, the Friday, we're releasing another non-canon file, which is what this is on Marvel's Infinity War. So that would be a lot of fun. So a lot of content coming at you uh, these summer months. May, June, and July are fucking packed. Um, but thank you for listening. If you're listening on SoundCloud, leave us a like on there. Follow us on SoundCloud. If you're listening on iTunes, leave us a review or a subscription or just a rating. That helps. On Overcast, on Google Play, leave us leave us some sort of feedback. We appreciate all, all sorts of feedback, both positive and negative. We, we, we love it. It feeds us and it helps us make the podcast better. You can follow us on Twitter at AYCH Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram, AYCH Podcast. And you can follow us on twitch.tv slash all you can hear. We currently do one stream a week on Tuesdays. A lot Recently, it's been twice a week. We've been doing Tuesdays and Saturdays. And then I feel like in the summer months, that's definitely going to ramp up. And you can follow me, Tanner, on Twitter at Tanner1495. And this is Patrick. Thank you for listening. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook. Instagram and Twitter at John Lost His Name. You can follow me on Facebook and John Lost His Name Art. And yeah, let's see. Thanks for being. We may tell us if you guys want us to do more wrestling non cannons. We may try to do one for all of the big four pay per views, maybe. Let, uh, let us know how you feel. And uh, thanks for listening. <laughs>